Hey, this is Chuck Dixon, and you're listening to Signal of Doom. Well, you know, for me, the action is the juice. I'm in.
Hello and welcome to Signal of Doom, episode 289. I'm Dave Solo in the bachelor pad, but I'm with Rich via remote. Rich, how are you? Mate, I'm doing very well. Very well, man. I'm, I'm like Sinatra in the bachelor pad. Michelle's up at her mum's. Shout out to Marie, who's recovering uh, from uh, hand surgery. So shout out to her. And Michelle's up there playing nurse and keeping her company. I've given them shows to watch, movies to watch. And meanwhile, down here, the pad is swinging, you know? Strangers in the night. As long as you're having fun, mate. Strangers in the night. Exchanging glances. Strangers in the night. (laughs) I love that song. I'm going to say, if I'm doing favourite Sinatra songs, that's in my top three. Sinatra hated the song, but I love it. I just think it's a great song. Just one of my favourites. How, so what's going on with you, Rich? Obviously married now, kids. Um, <laughs> Not quite. Put a mortgage down on the house. I'm really seeing your future now. I've really kind of invested in this now. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Well, don't become more invested than me. That's going to be weird. <laughs> oh! Rich is like it's all, it's all, it's all rocks, it's all ashes, nothing's left. No, I'm, I'm just saying, don't become more invested than me. I get, you know me, Rich. I get invested. I get, I, I, I cash out early too. I'm very fickle. Don't worry about me. <laughs> don't worry about me, man. Nothing you can't walk away from in thirty seconds flat, as I often tell Michelle. That's your, that's your favorite line. It is my favorite line, man. I love it. I've said to Michelle, nothing you can't walk away from in thirty seconds flat. She's just like, you've really got issues and problems. I'm like, no, not really. That's the whole point of the saying. <laughs> well, the fact that that's the whole point of the saying is an issue in itself. R.I.P. to Jerry Lee Lewis, the killer. Great balls of fire. He's he's left us, man. Man, what a legacy! What a legacy! Great songs, lot of attitude. I mean, he's part of the original, like Memphis Sun Studios crew with like Johnny Cash, Elvis, Jerry Lee Lewis. Like that's the that's the origins of rock and roll, man. You know, mm. man. Great balls of fire. I love that song. I don't know if I know too many other songs of his, but I love that particular song. I'm pretty sure that's the the one that everyone knows. That's his signature song, isn't it? I, I know he did a lot of gospel, did a lot of countries. He got older, think, but um, Dennis Quaid played him in a movie, I think, in a biopic. I think it was called Great Balls of Fire. A uh, whole lot of shaking going on. Is another song of his. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, good, good, very good. Artist. I know Bob Dylan, by the way, um, huge Jerry Lewis fan, and he Bob Dylan's just plugging for Bob Dylan. He needs it. Uh, Philosophy of of modern song. Um, Bob Dylan's book has just been released, and I, I'm I'm obviously being sarcastic. He doesn't need signal, but we'll always boost Bob. Um, his book's out. I've ordered it. It's a hard cover. I I'm just looking for. I'm just gonna. It's turning up at the office probably on um on on Monday, Tuesday when I'm in. I am going to devour that book. I'm going to get the audio book as well. Uh, he's got a host of celebrities doing the readings, including himself. I think Jeff Bridges is doing some of the reading, and um, yeah, it's and and in the he what he does is he takes songs like random songs. This is Bob Dylan, so they're often quite left of field, and he he he's writing little kind of like stream of consciousness essays about the songs and like you know what they mean and what they mean to him and society and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, this is the kind of shit I love. And I know he did one on Jerry Lewis's, I think it was um, a whole lot of shaking going on. Pretty cool. Pretty damn cool when Bob Dylan bothers to put pen to page. You know, he's like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to crack open the typewriter. I'm going to punch it out. I I, I see him still a typewriter guy. Do you, Rich? 
and paper, maybe. Oh, you gonna say you're thinking he could go pen all the way back to pen and paper? <laughs> I don't think of too many people that still would use a typewriter today. Yeah, but he's old school, man. He's yeah, very but even old school, it's difficult to get the the ink ribbons and so yeah, true. I think he would just if 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 he wanted to be old school, I think it would just be more convenient to go pen and paper. Sure, fountain pen. <laughs> Oh, sure. Maybe a pen, pen and quill. I don't know. He, I tell you what, he's one of those old guys who really prefers the old ways. You know, the old-fashioned ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I deal with a lot of people in re- in uh, electronic retail. Do you? Well, you know, like, I, I guess you've got to kind of you, you're you're in that position where you've got to kind of be the nursemaid sometimes and say, look, if you just step up to this new thing, it make everything so much easier. Because a lot of people, like my parents, were scared. Or my, you know about a smart TV, but now they're using it all the time. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, well, that's the problem is a lot of old people, they tend to shy away when they get to a certain age and then because they don't kind of keep up to date, even if it's tangentially, they um, they get so far behind it just becomes too overwhelming. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's always a good idea to kind of keep, track and and be up to date you know even that's the even if that's the minimal like level yeah of keeping up with the technology it just means that you won't be so far out of the loop that it, everything seems like rocket science to you at some point well exactly well my dad for example he he wouldn't know email if he fell over it you know what i mean he would have no idea he he can operate his kindle um he's good on the kindle and he can operate the tv he knows what he's doing you know easily he's mastered that but guess what that's also all he cares about like he couldn't get if he, if you said to him you know um there's no more email he'd be like oh well <laughs> but if you said to him there's no more fucking pay tv for your uh you know afl he's gonna be up in arms <laughs> oh, that's yeah so it's pretty funny now, um, so what's been going on with you this week, Rich? I don't think I've spoken to you. We haven't had lunch. I haven't seen you, have I? I, I feel like I haven't seen you since last week. What's been no, going God, on? no. I've only, well, this is, today's been my only day off again. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. I've, I haven't seen much of anyone Jesus. in the last couple of weeks. Is it um, busy down there on the retail front at the moment? Like, cause I, one thing I've noticed, I was sending out a, a, a picture yesterday going, here's a picture of my Christmas tree. It's in the shed because it's November. But... I've been down at the shopping centre and they've got that fucking huge tree up and I'm like, it was up before November, dude, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the it's basically as soon as the 1st of November rocks around, most, most shopping centres have got their Christmas shit up already. Yeah, and it, it's almost like they, um, yeah, I don't know. I You... you Working in retail, um, and I actually, with what you do in electronics, I mean, it'd be a great time, wouldn't it? Like a lot of people buying TVs and that kind of shit. Uh, I wouldn't stuff. say a lot at the moment, um, no? but I'm sure it'll pick up for um, uh, the Black Friday sale. Which right. Is when is that? Uh, it's the last Friday of November. That's the one although, you really hate, although, isn't although, it? Although it's for the whole bloody weekend, so it goes from yeah. like Thursday to Sunday. So I think we've covered this on the show previous years. <laughs> you really hate it. And I don't blame you. I don't blame you because the only good thing is, uh, you know, I, I'm not in sales, so I, it, it's always a mystery to me. But like if someone comes, say you have five customers come in and you're the salesperson who sells them five TVs, you get a cut of all of that, don't you? Like the fact that you've... Each one is that right? Like a kind of commission? Is that how it works? 
there is a commission structure, but I mean, obviously, you don't just get to sell shit for whatever you want and get commission. So. Oh no, no, no. I mean, if but what I'm saying is like you, you do benefit from you know being able to sit. But if is that how it works? Like as a salesperson, I thought that it was all like sort of if you could sell five of them, yeah, you'd it goes into your commission structure, just like with being collections. Like the more I collect. You know, obviously, I earn more money on top of my salary. Is that how it works in in sales? I mean, yes, but it's also how much you sell it for. Like, yeah, yeah you say, can't just like, go. I'm I selling sell it for a dollar. Years, I can sell them. Yeah, I can sell them for next to nothing. That doesn't mean I'm get commission on it. So, gotcha, it's, gotcha. It's a combination of how much you sell, but also how much you sell it for. So. Yeah, but there is, that is the positive side, I guess, of the um uh the consumers coming in. But right now. Um, and I don't mean to derail here, but I mean this will this is for listen as well. Right now, here in Australia, cost of living has gone through the roof, so discretionary spending on you know luxury items uh, starts to bite, and a lot of the items that are in like you know the stores, like not all of them, but there's quite a bit of stuff where people are like, "Do I really need the new TV?" You know, because my mortgage has just gone up or my rent's just gone up or whatever. So it's um, there's also that factor is in there, Rich, the, the cost of living. Yeah. A little bit, but I mean, most people that have money have money. So that's right. I mean, man, that's it. You know, recession proof. <laughs> <laughs> recession Lucky proof. You. Recession proof until you lose your job, and then all of a sudden you're out there on the street corner hustling. You know what I mean? Back to basics. Well, that, that's it. Yeah, everything's hunky dory until it's not. Exactly, man. You know, God knows. I mean, I, I, I was going to go real dark, but like, I will say it. Like. You're walking down the street, you lose your wife, you lose your family in, in some sort of thing. The insurance doesn't pay out. Suddenly you've got mortgage, uh, one income. These are the kind of things that go through my head. You know, what if like, you know, and you know, yeah, I've got insurance over there. Like, what if it gets denied? You know, and I go down this rabbit hole and then I have to pull myself out and go, there's been no slaying. You know what I mean? You're, I, I've gone into my hypothetical of what if there's a mass slaying and I'm like, well, slow down, Dave. It hasn't actually happened, you know? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I do think slow down, Dave. You are right. (laughs) But like, I get right into it, and I'm like, man, you got to react. You got to move. You got to move stuff around. You got to got to stay. You know. And I'm like, well, slow it down, man. Like, this is your you're you're projecting a kind of doom scenario. You know what I mean? It could be me that gets slayed, and then it's all over for me anyway. I cash out. Yeah, but you have a weird obsession with doom scenarios and darkest possible outcomes and <laughs> stuff. It's a bit weird. I never do the best possible scenario. <laughs> no, that's it. You do. Yeah. You seem to be enamored with the, like the worst possible outcome and scenario. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just, yeah, you're, you're never, you're never the bright side kind of guy. You're more like no, the it's boring, doom, you know, <laughs> end of the world, doom, gloom, dark, sadistic, <laughs> future kind of thing or that's 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 your your mind goes straight there that's the that's the automatic it's my happy place man you know (laughs) (laughs) now i do have some news um some big news bob dylan related again a new bootleg series volume 17 of the bootleg series which are basically they've been going since about 91 and it's uh when he did albums like you know from the 60s to now um obviously you know, each album he might have had thirty songs, or he might have had ten different cuts of songs and stuff. So they sort of like they 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 huddle around an album, like say Blood on the Tracks, and they'll put out this thing where it's all the different versions of the songs that led him to get to the finished version, and sometimes totally unreleased songs that just have never been released for whatever reason they you know, did make the cut. 
Um, and a lot of this stuff is absolute gold. Like, uh, so this one, I don't know if you're familiar with it, Rich. In the late 90s, Time Out of Mind was his Grammy Award-winning album. Kind of, some people called it a comeback. I mean, frankly, he was still Bob Dylan. He was doing okay. But it was his first studio album in about five years. Won the Grammy. Um, was a big hit for him. And this is the Time Out of Mind sessions, 1996 to 97. It's coming out in January 2023. will include outtakes and live material, as well as a completely remixed version of the album. Daniel Lanos, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the producer, um, he produced the album. He's produced a couple of Bob Dylan albums and a lot of good artists like have, have he's produced like Neil Young, uh, done some U2, uh, plenty of stuff. Daniel Lanos has done a lot of big albums. And so that was considered, it's considered one of Bob Dylan's best albums. Ironically, probably not one of my favourites, although I really do like it. It's a, really, it's a very slow album, but it's very sombre. Um, but I am very interested in hearing um, all the different cuts because apparently in this album, him and Lanos, who's a great producer, were often at each other's throats. Like Bob had a very different vision to Lanos of the album, and at the end they got a masterpiece, but um, at one point I believe uh, Bob broke his hand punching a wall and then went out driving, and like supposedly, I don't know how much of this is true, but it was quite a tortured collaboration, but it yielded a classic. And 10 years before that, the same sort of thing. They they got together for one of Bob's albums, Oh Mercy, which is one of my favourites. And again, it was like they were each other's throats and Lanos really had to keep him focused uh, and it was difficult. But interesting, Rich. And um, you know me, man. I'm there for the Bob Dylan album. You know, can you imagine? Mm-hmm. 96, 97. Like, yep, they had you and Bob. They did. But I'm just like, I mean, is this possible? Okay. Because at a certain point, like, I... You could almost, more blood, more tracks, which was the blood on the tracks thing. It had so much information. Like, some people would say, do you need 12 versions of Tangle Up in Blue? And I'm like, yes. But it's a niche audience, but it must be a pretty large audience. But what I'm calling for for Bob, as well as these, which are great, Neil Young, in the last, I'd say, five years, has put out a lot of live material from in the past, like 70s, like from like 68, to, to 1979 he's he's released like probably 10 or 12 live albums um on in apple music and stuff and i'm kind of like bob dylan should do the same thing there's the there's the uh concerts he did with tom petty where tom petty and the heartbreakers backed them for him for a couple of years and they they split the bill um but there's just so much stuff like bob dylan he too is quite he does about 200 shows a year roughly you know on average um, with all that material, man, do you think that... Because I'm all about the live shows, man. I, like, give me a live album on Apple Music and I will listen to it for Bob Dylan. Um, do you think that they should, they should hit the archives, man, and get into that kind of stuff? Sure, I'm sure there's a, a market for that. Yeah, man. Like, why not? If Neil Young's doing it, well, I mean, there's a contemporary of Bob and Bob has his uh, just as rabid a fan base as Neil Young. So... I'm just yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I mean, lots of old fogies out there. They've got money. Slow it, slow it down, big guy. Jeez. Old fogies. What are you? What? 42, 43. I'm 48. You're not that far behind, man. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not the one obsessing over Neil Young and Bob Dylan. So. I'm a, I'm a are man. You, are you 48 or are you like 68, 78 maybe, you know? <laughs> Remember, you're only as old as you feel, hey, Dave? I how feel, do you old. feel How old do you feel? I feel very old with my bad there back and bad hip and bad knee. <laughs> Terrible. 
Um, yeah, but we'll see. But no, but what I was going to say is like, and this is something I've always kind of thought. Um, is it possible that, and probably you know, they say intrusion of privacy, but like I'm fascinated. I, I'm kind of disappointed we can't recreate the because I would like say in the mid seventies when he's recording um, Street Legal, which is apparently quite a chaotic scene, like a lot of people. He, there was a lot of people on the record kind of thing. Like it was a busy time in his, his life. His marriage had fallen apart, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I kind of want a recreation or documentary footage of that time period. I want to kind of be there. But it's going to, it's going to involve time travel. It's going to have to involve a lot of technology that I don't think they had back then. It wasn't as easy to have cameras everywhere as it is now. Um... More than just talking heads, uh, are we there technology-wise that I could get my dream? To Probably get... not. Man. You know what I'm talking about. You, you you see where I'm going with it, though, don't you, Rich? Yeah, I do. But yeah, I don't. Uh, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't get your hopes up. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll have to set up. I'll have to set up for the album that's coming out in January. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, I, so, so, hey, listen, you're getting something. So I am. I'm excited yeah, as well. Better than nothing. And also a remix, time out of mind. And I always feel that needed a remix. I think some of the tracks are a bit muddy. So yeah, I'm I'm down for it. It's got. There's a funny story. Um, at the end of time out of mind, there's a 14 minute song, and it's honestly quite a. It's. It, I mean, I hesitate to use the word song because it's more just Bob Dylan talking over a bit of a musical, you know, sort of backwash. But um, it goes for 14 minutes. I'll never forget. It's, it's a good song. It's not great. It's just good. And I said to my sister, she wanted me to drive her somewhere when it came out. I remember called this. And um, I said, sure, I'll drive you there. But you've got to listen to a Bob Dylan song. And she's like, fine. And, you know, it was the payment. And then I put on the 14-minute song. And she's like sitting there with a cup of tea going, will this ever end? <laughs> like and Bob takes his time as he's in no rush on that song. He's just... this is why you should always think twice before uh doing a deal with Dave. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, yeah, I, there's I, there's I, a catch. You might think, yeah, fine, I can listen to a song, you know, but then there's a catch and he puts on a forty minute song. So just Yeah, yeah, that's it, man. Yeah, be be, be careful, be man. Be careful I'm... when Dave offers you a deal. If if I'm if you want to do a deal with me, firstly my point is check in on at the crossroads. That's my first tip for young players. Uh, am I asking for blood? Because I might. You know, I like to seal my contracts in blood on the crossroads. In general, I find that's a good strategy. Um, I always find it works out best for me. Now, um, Eric Klein, who is a fellow writer, uh, he's written quite a number of books, actually, and he's also he's a DeMorne reader of the DeMorne series, which you should all be reading, uh, DeMorne Soul Fighter, and I'm working on a new one. Now, um, and by the way, if you join up the Patreon, you will get from me a free copy of Demorn Soulfighter. So join the Patreon at patreon.com slash signal doom. And as soon as you join up, I will send you a copy of Demorn Soulfighter via Kindle. Now, Eric Klein was talking about Lost Boys, the um, classic 80s vampire movie. Rich, I'm sure you're familiar with it. So he was saying that apparently there was an alternate ending shot where the grandpa was a werewolf. Were you familiar? Have you ever heard of this? I didn't know that. Never this. heard that before. Yeah. Well, neither have I. And I said, is this all? Because I've got the Blu-ray. 
Um, and I said, is it on the Blu-ray or something? Because it sounds like something that... And he goes, no, 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 I don't believe so. But he he's claiming that it was actually shot and just never released. Uh, I mean, I'd be interested in seeing the footage. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's... I'm, I'm wondering if they actually shot it or if it was just like a script thing that they never shot. You know what I mean? Like, I've never heard this. I would imagine it's something that they never shot. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, the grandpa is the big vampire hunter, isn't he? At the end. Uh, I believe so. Or, yeah, he, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I Spoilers, because he goes after the video store owner, remember, who's dating the, the uh, mother. Mm. So, great movie. I know you don't like vampire movies, but do you like that one? That's all right. I mean, I'm not even going to, you know, I'm, I'm not going to dignify that. Like, it's all right. It's one of the classic yeah, 80s movies. it's all right. Is it because it's vampires? Is Was it back then where you were poisoned against vampires? No, I've been poisoned against vampires for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway. Yeah. Um, I've always found them lame. Really? I, look, for me, they're just a story device. I think when done well, they're really good. But there's a lot of shit vampire product out there as well. Like, I mean, Twilight is the worst example. Um, but there's plenty of other bad vampire movies and stuff out there. You like werewolves, don't you? I like werewolves, too. I just I wish there was more werewolf stuff that was actually good, you know? Yeah, I'm... Uh... I'm into obvious. I, I like the other, like I like the creature of Black Lagoon. I like the Mummy. I like werewolves. Obviously, yeah. Frankenstein uh, can be done good. Or Frankenstein's monster, whatever. Oh, talking. sure, yeah. Um, that sort of stuff. But I've just found vampires to just be very lame. If I can, if I compare them to all the other cool monsters, I just think they're pretty lame. Also, maybe for you, cause especially you... when they're not monsters themselves. That's why I'm drawn to more vampire stuff where. The vampires actually are a bit more bestial or a bit more monsterfied instead of pretty boyfied. Yeah, yeah, no, I hear you. Like in the um, like in the strain and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they actually, and that's why I really like um, you know, like Blade was cool, but I, I see Blade more as as an action movie than a um a vampire movie. But when they introduced the vampires in the second movie with the the the, the jaw, like yeah. that unhinges and. And and like has the two mandibles, and I was like, oh, no, that's a cool vampire, you know? What I mean? Definitely, I like, yeah, yeah, cool vampire. So I like that kind of stuff where they're a little bit more monstery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always, um, I, I always remember because I really, I tell you when I really got into them was, oh, yes, it was Lost Boys, uh, but that was the initial thing. But I, I didn't read a lot of vampire stuff after that. It was that was one one thing. But then when Bram Stoker's Dracula came out, I really got into vampires then and right around that time i remember seeing nosferatu the you know the original movie the 1930s movie i was so stoned and i felt it was so scary i and like i was really stoned it was like a it was you know it was a proper not a friday night kind of thing with a couple of friends and stuff but like i found that movie genuinely haunting you know what i mean and like i, I was very impressed by that movie um now, some of that may have had to do with the chemicals that were running through the system at the time, but um, it, it is quite horrific. Like, it's a horrific-looking vampire in Nosferatu. Yeah, well, he kind of almost looked like some sort of rat monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, sure. I, I don't mind Bram Stoker's too much just because he's a bit more creepy in that. Like, um, you know, especially when, uh, like, if you watch the movie, when he's the old Count, you know, with that weird yeah, yeah, yeah. white... Like yeah. you know, there's, there's still something creepy about him, which is which is fine. It's more the like Anne Rice, um, uh, 
Yeah, see, I uh, liked them, but I see why you you wouldn't like them because that was very much the tortured, sensitive vampire kind of thing. Well, that's that's the precursor to the Twilight shit. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> no, I agree. Like, I mean, and I read all the Anne Rice novels, and I can see a through line from Anne Rice to Twilight. Like, it, it's more kidified, it's more sort of PGified, but I can see there's a through line. Anne Rice, she her first few vampire novels, I really enjoyed. They 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 definitely hit a wall. You know what I mean? But um, they were interesting. Uh, i tell you who wrote a really good vampire novel. Larry Hummer wrote one, uh, which, was a, which was a good vampire novel set, like, in Paris back in the day. Um, yeah, you know, revolution, not ancient Paris, like, sort of like 18th century or 19th century Paris. Um, Chuck wrote a good one. Uh, I think it's called Blooded, which is basically, the story is really interesting. It's very much just an average Joe who gets bitten by a vampire. He's he's like this dodgy real estate guy or something like he's Oryx car salesman or something like he's he's your, he's a really sort of normal slightly dodgy guy and he gets turned into a vampire. It's a it's quite it's it, I mean it's a good read and it's quite sort of funny in a way. But um, oh look, um, there's some yeah. good there's some good vampire comedies. I don't mind like with the like the Nicolas Cage one. There's even a a, a fairly humorous uh, Eddie Murphy one. Yes, uh, vampire know, vampire in Brooklyn. Like, uh, was that yeah, vampire? I don't mind a good comedy vampire movie because obviously it's a comedy. It's One, a two, three, the Count from Sesame Street. <laughs> He's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you, man. I hear you do. But also I think as well, if they're not your favourite monster, they are very overexposed vampires. Oh, God, yes. God. Yeah, that's, that's the other thing. Oh, the amount of TV shows and movies. I mean, good God. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, Now, I've been going... Full Hawkman. Um, I've kept going. Was it last week we did Hawkman on the Hawk World on the show? Uh, yes, yeah. I, I've kept going on it. Um, I've got the Jeff John stuff ready to go. You know what? I wish I'd bought. You know, you know when you have buyer's regret. Um, I remember seeing this is this is ten years ago. The Jeff John's Hawkman omnibus in Kings for a good price, and I I actually really wanted to get it at the time. Um, and I just, I kind of talked myself out of it for some reason. And I believe you me, I bought worse omnibuses. But now I'm like, that omnibus is worth like hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Seriously, like it's out of print. I hope they reprint it. But um, it's one of those things. Like I've got it all digitally, so it's not the end of the world. But that is one omnibus that I really wish I'd bought at the time. You know, the Hawkman omnibus had a really good cover. Um, and I want to read because I've, I've, I'm, I'm. Getting quite a long way through Hawk World, the John Ostrander thing, um, and there was there was an issue, Rich, where um, he went back in time with uh, the other, you know, Hawk Woman, and they meet the original Hawkman, like Carter Hall. So they go back to the time of like Jay Garrick and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good. It was a good. It was a good issue, and because you know the classic Hawkman from the just the. The one I think of in the old costume from the Justice League and all that kind of stuff, and they meet them and stuff. It was a good team up issue. It was it was fun. It had um everyone was involved. Wally West was involved. It was like nineteen ninety three. Jay Garrick, um back in the day was there, and yeah, it was it was fun. Yeah, it was it was it was fun to see them go back and um yeah, but uh and I yeah and I'm gonna say that next show we will do Justice League Task Force. Which is David? 
David Michelini. Copies. Yeah, yeah. Really? Did you did you collect it at the time? Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I I went. Yeah. Well, again, uh, uh, this is also when you went back and collected stuff. So I mean, obviously yes. being a big DC guy, and once I moved to Australia, and there was actual comic book shops. Yeah. That, back issues then i used to start going and i've got uh, quite i don't think i have the full collection sadly but i do have quite a few okay well we'll um, do volume one which is a decent sized volume um there's a big sale on comiXology at the moment but as you said rich um the dc unlimited app uh, what's it called dc infinite so you know what i did this yeah this, yeah, yeah this week i brought that app up because you you're a my i'd forgotten it existed um i brought that app app up on my iPad, and I've cancelled my Marvel Unlimited, which doesn't run out until next year. But I, I, I seriously don't think I've looked in Marvel Unlimited at all, hardly this year. Like, I never use it. You know what I mean? Like, ever. And it's not expensive, but I'm like, fuck it. Like, fuck Marvel. Like, I don't ever look in it at all. So the DC one, I will look in. I just feel I've made a bit of a shift as a reader in the last, I think, 10 years. I've, I, I think... Older DC stuff interests me a lot more than older Marvel stuff. I, I think I've realised that as the years have gone on. No, I look, I do agree with that because, okay, so here's the thing, and, and again, this could be people could say, oh, that's your bias or that's your preference. I understand that. It's your but opinion. For me, but for me is I feel like, especially when you go back further, right, if we're talking about like 70s, 80s, yeah. that sort yeah. of stuff, I do think that DC had more interesting characters. Yeah. Um, the, and now Marvel had some good ones, but this is, be, but you got to remember this is before like now where Iron Man is such a big thing and yeah. Captain America is the biggest name and thought, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, other than Spider-Man and like your X-Men, mm. it's not like they had that many like massive big titles that, you know, everyone was like buying or talking about or with that, let, or that interesting. Do you know what I mean? I, I never found Avengers that interesting. No, me either. Um, me either. Later I did, like, yeah. uh, you know, much later when, uh, I think maybe around the 2000s. Yeah, but, that, but, that, but it, I agree, but that's way later, you know? No, but that's what I mean. Like, I just feel like if you're talking 70s, 80s, I do think, uh, I just think DC had better uh, interesting characters, better and interesting characters like your, you know, whether it be Hawkman or Green Lantern or I, I you, know, or... you know what I find? I, I think in terms of the top tier, I think the, the two companies are very similar. But when you go down the tiers of the characters, that's where I find more of the DC stuff more interesting. You know, it's when that that's because because like recently I I've I've been reading the Creeper miniseries. Now I, it's no masterpiece, but it's interesting. You know what I mean? Like it's just. A, I mean, if you look at the interesting characters they have. Whether it be you know you you enjoyed Firestorm recently. I did. Whether you know uh, Hawkman, um, you've been delving into that. Whether it be Superman or Batman or Wonder Woman or Flash or Green Lantern, and then again, as you say, even you get to your low ones like the Creeper. You know the. And for me, I really enjoyed Hawk and Dove. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like, yeah, seventies, eighties, and nineties to me. That those three decades is just some of the best DC stuff. Like, that's totally my agree. sweet spot. Totally of agree. Stuff I like to collect is seventies and and especially eighties and nineties. Like, totally. Yeah. To me, eighties and nineties, I think is like peak, peak, peak DC. I I totally agree with you. I think there's just so much strong product during that period, and um. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that I think they've got a really a really stacked shelf, and it's quite deep. Um, now, I have a show recommendation, Richard. Now, I'm not sure if this is a show that you would at all like. It's called Reservation Dogs. It's a, t- a comedy with a, quite a bit of heart about Indian kind of like teens on a Indian reservation in the states. 
Um, that probably doesn't do it justice. It is a, it, and they're saving money to go to LA basically. And they, it is funny. Um, it is a funny show. It has quite a bit of heart. Um, I, I'm, i it's on Hulu. Um, and I, Michelle is not interested in it at all. So I've been watching it. I'm, I, there's two seasons out, short seasons, eight episodes and 10 episodes. I'm like two episodes into the second season. Love it. Love it. It's a low, you know, you know, low key v- viewing. Like it's not, it's not wacky, wacky humor. It's kind of, it's fairly sort of down earth kind of humor. I, I'm, I'm very much enjoying it. It's, it's a good show. Have you heard That's of it? Because I thought uh, I, I could have sworn Taika Waititi was involved. He is. He is. Tiger Waititi. Well, I didn't know Tiger Waititi was involved, and it's not wacky, wacky at all. Like it, it is funny, and it is a little bit absurd at times, for sure. Like it's, it's, but it's not. It's not off the wall. It's, it's got. It's quite grounded, actually, um, and it's got quite a bit of heart as well. Like it's, it's. If I didn't know Tiger Waititi, I wouldn't pick it as a Tiger Waititi show. Other than there is humor, like it's definitely humorous, but there are moments where it's quite sort of poignant and stuff. Um, I don't know. I'm, all I can say is I'm really enjoying it. Like, and um, it's hard to believe that the same guy did the shit fucking uh, Last Thor movie. You know, whatever that was called, um, Love and Thunder. You know, it's like man, some of these filmmakers. You know, obviously, when you have... And I don't think it's just him. I think there's a couple of people who are making it. But, God, sometimes... I was saying this to Dion. Like, sometimes, instead of just endless spectacle, why don't you give us a story with a bit of heart? You know what I mean? Like, on the big screen. Because I think sometimes it, more people will connect with it than just flashy visuals all, all day long. That's my... Can't answer that one, I'm afraid. Well, I'm just saying it. I just, I just sometimes think they've lost that. But anyway, Reservation Dogs, it's really for listeners. I don't know if you'd like it, Rich. I'm not sure where you are on Indian teens running around and causing a mischief. That's kind of the premise of the show. <laughs> I don't... I'm not fussy either way. It's just that comedy is very subjective. So. It is, it is. And, and I certainly... I, I, I don't know. Michelle said... Michelle actually laughed at a couple of things when she was passing away. She said, it's not my cup of tea. I said, it's not her, her humour. You know what I mean? Um, but it is funny. Uh, I, think, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of easy to, like, recommend an action movie to someone who likes action movies. Do you know what yes. I mean? Because, yes. you know, action is kind of uni- universal in a sense. Like, it's guy punch guy in face or yeah. guy explode or something like that. But when it comes to comedy, yeah, it is, that is very tricky. Because, again, like, you like Rick and Morty. Oh, I think it's the stupidest thing. Oh, you don't like Rick? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, so that's why I say, like, now it doesn't mean either of us is wrong or right. It just no. means that we have Taste. different tastes in what is funny. Or 100%. Funny. Comedy is very subjective, very subjective. You know, mm. literally, I yeah, and, and that's fair enough, too. Like, I mean, God, like, all the different comedy styles there are these days. Like, um, I, I, I tend to like, I, I like that really wacky shit in Rick and Morty. I do like that stuff. Like, it's it's stupid funny, but it's got a bit of cleverness, but... I also really like it when it's low-key moments that are humorous, like quite sort of human moments. That's what Reservation Dogs is like. It's it's little moments. It is funny, don't get me wrong. It's not, it's not a slog by any means. It's quite a light show, but it's got a bit of heart. I, I do like that kind of show, and I don't feel I see it that often, if you know what I mean. So that's probably why I'm enjoying it. And as you know, I'm very, very passionate about Native Americans as well, so that's also great as well. So they, 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 they look. 
it's very it's very self depreciating kind of humor as well. Like they're they're kind of making fun of themselves a little bit too. You know what I mean? They're not afraid to get kind of poke a bit of fun at, at some conventions and stuff, which is cool. I I I've always liked Native Americans and Indians and stuff. I've always found that kind of stuff really cool. Um, back in the day, man, playing cowboys, Indians, and stuff like that. Someone had to be the Indian, you know. You couldn't all just be cowboys, you know. I bet you were a cowboy. Cowboys and Indians yeah, were. I never played that, so I don't know. Never played it as a kid, really. Never, no, never played cowboys and Indians. Really? Jeez, I did. We we had the um, I mean, God, I'm digging back the memory cells, but we had um, like guns. If you know, like they weren't even like um, you know. You're talking about like those pop guns. They were, yeah, they didn't even, I don't think they even did anything, but they, we actually had the silver guns. I don't actually think they were even firing blanks or anything. Like, but we, I, I remember we had them and so we would play them and stuff. You know, little kids, for sure, man. Yeah. Probably a bit on PC now, but fuck that. Who cares, man? Someone's going to be the Indian and Cowboys and Indians, you know? Come on. Yeah, if you say so. I well, don't know. I never played it. Some so. premise of the thing, man. Like, you know, anyway. But anyway, it's a good it's a good show. I give it a heavy recommend. Um, now, Black Adam, I want to do a box office check in just just out of interest, really. Two hundred and fifty four million worldwide. I think it's cruising towards a five hundred six hundred billion take. Uh, it's taken one hundred and fifteen million in the states, one hundred and thirty nine overseas. It had a pretty decent second weekend after the first one was sixty seven million opening. I think it had around fifty million the second weekend or sixty. So yeah, I mean it's making money. I I think it's going to cruise towards five hundred six hundred. I saw a report saying the Batman will still be the top DC earner for the year. I mean that's to be expected. I would think. I think they'd be they'd be very frustrated if their Batman movie wasn't their biggest movie, don't you? Um, yeah. I mean, look. I, let's be honest. I think something that is once again. Um, now, uh, we both reviewed this last week, so yeah. everyone knows I'm not I, I, I'm not chugging the, the Black Adam Kool-Aid. I said no, it was you gave a, it a six. sort of three out of ten, yeah. sort of, uh, oh, sorry, three out of five, yeah, yeah. three stars sort of thing and all that. It's a very middle of the road. But once again, mm. there are, and I sent you a link with these critics out there, reviewers, right. critics, like, right. uh, and not YouTuber ones, I'm talking about actual, like, quote-unquote real ones yeah, yeah, with yeah. publications and all that yeah that are saying that this is the one of the worst movies ever made and that's, so that's ridiculous but but the, the the point is whenever a dc movie <laughs> seems to come out there's this talk of how it's the worst shit yeah and yeah, that yeah. does hurt it's that hurts its box office because you go on to run yeah. and i think it's like 36 percent or something like that something stupidly low right but it's got like almost 90 percent audience score yeah but again, when people go looking for reviews, an average person, they are getting the critic reviews. Yeah. Critic reviews are saying, stay away. It's the terrible movie. It's the worst movie you'll ever see God. this year and all that. It's no worse and than I, any Marvel movie. It's no that's worse what I was than any Marvel I don't movie. understand how... I, do, I honestly don't understand why the critics hate Warner Brothers slash DC movies so much. Oh, because like, they're in the pockets of DC. Not saying they're great, and I'm not saying like, yeah. but I don't think that every single one is like the worst. No, because they're in the they're in the pockets of the dominant in film maker, which is Disney, and they're in they're just in the pockets of Disney Studios. That's why it's 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 basically payola, but man, like if things got flipped in ten years, and 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 let's just say the Warner Brothers movies were cranking out and making making the regularly making the billion dollars. 
and the Marvel movies were starting to tank, the critics would flip. They're, they're in the pockets of the studio. Because, I mean, my, my threshold is generally around about 60%. You know what I mean? And yeah. I'm talking about audience score because I don't really look at um, critic yeah. scores. But if something's got, like, a, an audience score of around about the 60%, then I'm like, okay, it's probably it's okay. A, a worth a watch. I, I may agree. enjoy it, I may not, but there's a good chance I'll enjoy it. If it's obviously got 30 or 40%, then I'm like, okay, I'm really not going to watch that unless I've got nothing else to watch or something. You know what I mean? But I hear. That's why I think these critics don't... I don't think they understand them being... And again, no one ever accuses them of review bombing, hey? It's <laughs> funny how that works. Well, yeah, I agree. Looking at Metacritic, it's got a 41 on Metacritic score and it's got a 7.5 on user score, which points to exactly what you're talking about. Like a decent user score, that's 471 ratings and it's got a 41, which is in the yellow, but not that far from red. Uh, and it's not that bad. Like, I mean, I gave it 6.5, was probably being a bit generous, and you gave it 6, and I think that's a very fair score. And like I said, I've seen many a Marvel movie that's certainly no better than this by any means, you know? Um, oh, yeah, well, no better, no worse. Yeah, it's just... Uh, yeah, just, it just is. It's just product that's out there that's kind of enjoyable, um, but sort of, it's kind of like candy. You eat it, you forget about it. You know, that's the end of the story. You don't sit around going, oh man, what a fucking fantastic meal that was. You know, like it's, it, it is what it is. I, I, I still think it's very similar in Aquaman levels of quality to me. I think I think it's right around Aquaman uh, in terms of how much I enjoyed it, which wasn't too bad. Um, now you yeah, said, I mean, sorry, even Love and Thunder, I think has got at huh. least, with even with critics, I think he's sitting around about fifty or sixty percent. Like, yeah. See, I, I like if I had to choose between the two, I give me Black Adam, which I don't love over Love and Thunder any day of the week. I, I, I have no compulsion to watch Thor: Love and Thunder again. So Thor: Love and Thunder has a fifty-seven um, Metacritic score and a four-point-nine user score. So that points exactly to what you're saying. You know, that it points to. The user score on Love and Thunder, 4.9, compared to a 7.5 for Black Adam, and a critical score of 57. Now, frankly, Love and Thunder, in my mind, is lucky to get 5 out of 10. You know, I, I feel 5 out of 10 is probably being generous to that movie, you know? Yeah, um, but it makes it a, but, but, but it makes it a middle of the road. Yeah, it's middle of the road, yeah. Someone might still be like, oh, yeah, I'll go see it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it yeah. sounds like I could enjoy it or I could not. It seems very middle of... Like, that's my point. I don't think they realize how them being sort of bombastic and, and hyperbolic saying like, oh, my God, Black Adam is the worst movie of all time. Because <laughs> that one I sent you was... It said it was, the, it was in the top 10 worst movies of all time. That's crazy. It's not even the worst DC movie of all time, you know? That goes to, like, I mean, Jesus Christ. Like, if we're talking modern times, that probably goes to Justice League. If we're talking, like, history, Supergirl. That's probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen that's a superhero movie. You know, the, the 80s I mean, Supergirl movie. Well, actually, it's not that, it's not that bad. I've seen worse stuff today. <laughs> no, it's not like, <laughs> but I'm, I'm saying it's not even the worst DC movie, you know? Like, hmm. really, no, honestly. I think that goes to Catwoman. Yes, it probably does go to Catwoman. You're right. There's an appalling movie. That's a terrible fucking movie with no real redeeming features. Like, so I don't pay a lot of attention to it. Now, but it doesn't impact box no, office. But, that, but yeah, my point is, yeah, you and I don't, but I'm just saying your general audience who's just sure. like, oh, watch this movie. Let's have a look what the critics are saying. Yeah. Oh, God, no, one of the worst movies ever made. Okay, I'm going to, I won't watch that this week. Well, that's at like, the family barbecue where your uncle comes up to you and says, oh, 
what's going on with this Black Adam? I heard it's really shit. Like that's it's literally that person who only hears about it very peripherally, and they're they're sort of only going to bother watching it if they hear it's good. You know what I mean? Um, and yeah, so I. I it's, it's it's hard not to think that uh, a lot of these reviewers are, are are bought and paid for. By oh, they people. are. Oh, they are, dude. Dude, not just movie reviewers, comic book reviewers who can't stop giving comics ten out of ten. You know that, and you read the comic and you're like, really, this is barely a five out of ten. Um, it's endemic in the industry, and there's so many of them are in the pockets of Disney. It's not funny. It's fucking hilarious. Like, put me in the fucking pocket, Disney, because I guarantee you, like. Just the shilling that goes on. It's just pathetic, almost. Like, groveling. Like, how badly do you need their fucking money? How much are they paying you? I guarantee you it's not that much cash, you know? There's just no integrity. There's no critical... It's the same people who very selectively say you can't critically review anything anymore. It's like, why? Why? So you you just want shills. Is that what you want? Is that really what you want from... From a from a sort of fan base and audience, you just want shilling. It's not going to happen. They do, yes. Uh, yeah, I I know they they want it, but like it's not. That's not a good. That's not a good outcome for anybody. At the end of the day, like I'm I'm sorry. Like when you watch a movie or a piece of entertainment, it is your right to have a view on that product. It is a piece of product put out there to a mass audience. I've done it with my books. I've had good reviews, I've had five-star reviews, I've had a couple of one-stars, I've had some two-stars, you know, whatever. It goes out there and the audience reacts and trying to sort of censor the opinion, it's, it's, a, fool's, it's a fool's errand, you know? And these people who are, who are paid cash, oh, Black Adam is the worst movie of all time. No. I, I, you know, I could probably think of like a hundred worst movies off the top of my fucking head, you know? Like, oh, yeah, for sure. It's crazy. You made a good comment when we were talking about it. You said a lot of those people, they don't think beyond the... 2016 is kind of where the universe started for some of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. History, for a lot of people today, history started in 2016. Which is bizarre to me. Like, I'm just like... (laughs) I I don't understand. Especially in film. With with film being so, you know, prevalent now and, like, the technology and the streaming, like, it's not hard to get your hands on film going all the way back to the 30s. Pretty easy. I've got a pretty vast collection and I i don't sit here all day worrying about it, but you know what I mean? Like, so much of it's available that it, it it's weird to me that these so-called film experts are only focusing on the last five years. The last five years has been some of the most formulaic, big-budget movies of all time. You know, um, I, I'm sure being reboots and remakes and I would I would say some well. of the least interesting product of all time in terms of originality over the last five years. So the last five years is not where I would go to be looking for actual cinema classics or like benchmarks. You know, benchmarks of superhero movies, yeah, sure, like Endgame or something, sure, but that's only one particular genre of a movie. You know, you want to go to a classic crime movie. I mean. You're not going the last five years. You're know, going back to the seventies or Heat in '95, and et cetera, et cetera. You know, you know what I'm saying, Rich. Like, there's a wealth of information to actually draw upon that's quite easily accessible. You know, really, frankly, like you don't have to go to the video store anymore, do you, Rich? Back in our day, we you had to go to the video store. That's where I watched all my old classics back in the '90s. The old videos, but now it's all online. You know. 
Oh yeah, yeah. But as I said, um, it's funny. Uh, you now when you put on a bad movie, you switch it off because you're like, I'll find something else. Whereas yeah. back in the day, if you bought, if you rented a movie, oh, yeah. you're shit. You're like, well, I fucking paid my money for this, so I'm gonna watch it whether it's a bad totally, movie. Totally, yeah. So, I do feel often... like people miss out on some on enjoyable bad movies. Because yeah. they have so much uh, option now. And also, like, and I'm, we're going back to childhood here, like, you know, when I was a teenager, if we got, we usually, you know, on a Friday night, we, you know, potentially we might get a couple of movies, like let's just say. And you'd watch them, you didn't have a lot of choice. It wasn't like you're watching it with the family, you couldn't just go, I'm turning it off. You know, if your parents have bothered to sit down to watch the movie, um, they're going to watch the film. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not going to say to my dad, we're switching off. That's going to piss him off more than a bad movie. You know, like you're half, you kind of you're kind of halfway in committed. Like back in those days, you just finished the film. It's the end of the story. You didn't need to worry about it. It was it was done. So it is interesting. So I, I agree with you. There's there must be a word for it for these people who have such a narrow window. And uh, and and this and they they try to justify it and it makes no sense at all because it's like I'm not always saying the old stuff's better but if you want to have a wide critical lens um, you've got to go back a bit further than the last five years. Uh, yeah, but I mean it's not just the critical shit; it's just also that history, like uh, you know the way they carry on today. That if they cast a uh, a gay person or a black person mm. or or any minority in a leading role, mm. then all of a sudden it's like. Oh my god! This is this is groundbreaking. This is history. This there's never been a, a a male, you know, black lead actor in any movie ever before now. Like Sidney Poitier, Denzel Washington didn't exist. You know. Yes, yeah, like the same like the bro movie with like, oh my god, this is the first time Hollywood's made a, a a gay movie with leading men, and it's like, no, it's not. They have made. I mean, Brokeback Mountain. Hello. That's true. A Birdcage. I brought that up uh, previously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Birdcage. You know, there's been. What's it in and out? There's been movies. There has. Now, yeah, okay, right. Fair enough. Yeah, so, yeah. Now I will give you this. Maybe this is the first time they've actually used gay actors. Right. But my yeah. point is they've not. But this is not the first like. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, movie that is uh, you know their biggest claim is like oh it's all gay it's like okay great but this is not the first time we've I mean I've been watching Spin City lately mm. uh, which is the old Michael Defoe you know and that has a, a black gay character. Right, yeah. Um, in the show for the entire thing, and he's a he's a pretty prominent character. Yeah, and he's not written for like laughs or jokes as or, and all sorts. Well, I mean, obviously it's a comedy, so, but you know what I mean. He's not there to be made fun of. He's <laughs> yeah, not the yeah. butt of. He's jokes. not the butt of the joke. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. You know, and I'm like, and that's from the '90s. Yeah, there's been yeah, there's been plenty of yeah, exactly. Uh, like that, that's a that's a that's that's a good point actually. Um, anyway, it is what it is. I I, I don't know if we're going to solve all the problems now. You. Said something that there's a there's a second post credit scene, but I read that there wasn't a post credit scene after no, no, the one no, we no. watched. They they cut it, so there's oh. a cut post credit scene. So there's oh. a cut post credit scene where a, a, it's hinted that uh, that Doctor Fate's sort of presence wasn't at uh, ended. Because I they said that someone... to you. Remember, I said that to you. Yeah, but they they'd actually had a plan to do one where someone picks up the Fate helmet. Um, right. In, in the sand. Now, can, can I ask a question? Because I I'd not read a lot of Doctor Fate. Um, what's the? Is it Kent Nelson? The that's the guy that's that the original one. Yeah, is that the guy Pierce Brosnan was playing? Yes. Okay, so he's a guy 
just like a normal guy who picked up the helmet. Is that right? And then the helmet is the, I forget the name of it, it's like the god or whatever it is and the lords of order and all that stuff. Um, is that right? Like, or, or in the movie, it seemed more like he was kind of almost like more Doctor Strange-like. He, he was completely conscious of what he was doing. No, um, no, no, no. You're not, you're still there. You're still conscious. It's just that you then share, um, you're kind of sharing mental space with uh, Nabu. Nabu, right. Okay, I see. Yeah, um, who is a, 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 an ancient Egyptian magic man, wizard, whatever you want to call him. Right. Uh, who I believe well, he's technically like the original Doctor Fate or whatever, and his essence is in the helmet. Is Doctor Fate in the uh, JSA run of Jeff Johns? Naboo, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, is he? Okay, cool. Well, that's cool. I I really want to read through that um, run. I'm I've actually put the Return of Hawkman um, issues on my iPad, then to then go into Hawkman. But at some point, I'd like to sit down. Probably. Uh, Probably over my um. I I love Doctor Fate, but the thing is, Doctor Fate has the same pro- in a in a sense has the same problem as Hawkman, and that is, uh, and it's the same problem they've had with Green Lantern. Okay, mm. Mm. too many people have had the helmet. Yeah. So with you know one of the reasons why Adam Strange and uh, not Adam Strange, um, uh, Stephen Strange, Doctor Strange has been around for so long is because he's one character. Sure. Who's been around for like sixty years. The problem with Dr. Fate, even though the, the helmet and, and all that is such an interesting, cool idea, he's a, he's a he works for the Lords of Order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Naboo is, is not, and I like that they made it that Naboo is not also to be trusted. Like Naboo might also. Yeah, yeah sneaky. But, you know, the problem is you've had Ken Nelson, you've had uh, Eric and Linda Strauss. Oh. Um, then there was someone else who I can't remember. And then I remember there was Jared Stevens. That's when they tried to make him more edgy and, you know, very 90s. That was the, um, that was edge Lord. Stephen Grant. Cause we discussed that when we had Stephen Grant on yeah. actually. But yeah. you know what I mean? But that was the, oh, we've got to make him edgy now because it's the 90s. And then uh, when um, Jeff Johns relaunched Justice Society, then he made him Hector Hall. Right. Um, you know, and. Then I think there was another Kent Nelson somehow. Right. Um, so they've swapped it around a fair bit. You know, and then the most recent one, which I didn't actually mind the book. Uh, I, I read it back in the day. That's when they made it the the Egyptian kid, Khalid something. Yeah. Um. Well, but my point is, I mean, I don't know how many names I just mentioned there, but there's I think like six or seven <laughs> Doctor Fates basically, and that's the problem where you've where you've had too many characters. It's it makes it convoluted. It makes you know what I mean, like. It, yeah. People have different memories, or like, who's this? I don't know. Who Didn't is the one? Who is the one in that Suicide Squad movie, Hell to Pay for? There's a Doctor Fate in there. Remember, we watched it with you at your house one day. Yeah, I don't think they said who was in there. Okay, but it was a young kid or something, wasn't it? Wasn't well, if it's a young kid, then it's Khalid. It was no, no. When I, I say young kid, it, it was like a young twenty-year-old, like white guy from memory, like an American guy. Don't you remember? He was kind of like a young. He was kind of like a young gun. He was kind of like an idiot. He didn't know what he was doing. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was just. Oh, that was just something funny for the story. That wasn't actually anybody. I don't think. Okay, because the problem I had during one of watching, I was really tired. If you recall, I was slipping in and out of consciousness, and um, I was struggling to keep up with the story. You know the problem I sometimes have where I'm falling asleep during stuff. That was the issue I had during that screening, and so my memory is a bit distorted. I kept meaning to rewatch it because I quite liked it, and I was just like, but I was struggling to stay awake. Um, yeah. No, that that was just a joke 
kind of character that they did for the movie is okay. an actual person. I thought that like, that movie oh. seemed okay. Right? From what I remember, I, I thought it looked good. I mean, right. as a Suicide Squad movie, it's good. Yeah, okay. Cool. It's okay. All right. Um, now we had... So you're saying they cut the scene, Rich. How did you find out about it, man? Like, were you on the dark oh. web or what? What's going on? No, everyone's reporting. He's... <laughs> Dave's just totally blissfully ignorant. <laughs> Yeah, because I think, put it this way, I think, as I said, I think everyone loves Pierce Brosnan's Dr. Fate. Sure. And probably a lot of people would like to see him come back. Now, obviously, maybe they cut the scene because they thought, you know what, maybe we don't know if we want to bring, yeah. bring back Pierce Brosnan or something like that. And uh, I'm sure it was probably a woman's hand that picked up the helmet. Mm. They make Dr. Fate. But I don't know. But apparently they did film the scene where someone picked up the helmet. You just saw a hand pick up the helmet. So. All right. Well, we'll find out what happens. I, I think Pierce Brosnan will probably come back. I think he was pretty good in the role. I think they. I think they should. I think they should come some, somehow come up with a, a reason or a. Oh, dude, he's all magic anyway. So come on, it's not going to be yeah, that hard. That's what I'm saying. They need to come up with something. All right. Uh, I watched the Avatar two trailer just before this um, show. I thought it looked really good. I, I must say, Michelle's excited. For it, she's like, oh, Avatar's coming back. And she was, like, pumped up. And I was like, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think it looks really... The Way of Water, I believe it's called, Rich. You're going to be checking Sounds it out? boring. Have you seen the trailer? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we watched the trailer when it actually came on uh, when we were watching Black Adam. Oh, yeah, I think there's another trailer. It's very similar to that trailer, though. Yeah. So yeah. It looks exactly like the same movie, the first movie. It looks no different. Did you enjoy the doesn't first movie? Doesn't look bit? any more advanced, doesn't look any more technically savvy. It just looks exactly the same as the first movie. Well, the first movie broke a lot of barriers. The first movie was fucking boring as hell. I enjoyed it. You know I enjoyed that movie. I don't um, know why. Well, you know, I like James Cameron's stuff. I thought the vision was cool. I I kind of dug it. I'm, 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 I'm looking forward to the second movie. I, you know, they, they find some other colony of them, and there was some crazy shit going on with the humans, and... They're underwater this time, Rich. That's the big thing that you think you're forgetting. It's all underwater now. The way OMG. of the way of water, man. Get get um, with you it. You know what? Changed my mind. You completely sold it, Dave. There I didn't go. realize there was water involved. Yeah, I thought that would probably turn you around. Um, <laughs> now you said that was a trailer with Jeff Johns promoting this um, Golden Age comic, which actually seemed really interesting. The tra- but I want to focus in for a second. Jeff Johns's hair. Uh, I said to you, is he wearing a rug? Is he wearing a toupee? And you put it forward that it's probably hair, like regrowth or whatever you call it, like, you know, the implanted hair or whatever. But I've got to say his hairstyle, put the cap back on Jeff because I just felt like he looked like he was wearing a bad rug. What did you think? Um, yeah, it didn't look great, but it also didn't really bother me. Didn't bother me, but but regardless, the content of what Jeff Johns was talking about, I thought seemed really interesting. I was actually, to be fair, I was kind of like, oh, okay, we're going to go back to just society, and and I'm not a big Stargirl fan like you, but when he started talking about this this adventure and and the Legion of Sidekicks, and they're going to do all the different um, time periods and stuff of the Justice Society, I was kind of like, this seems really interesting. I I thought it sounded like a really good idea. Yeah, I, I, I quite like. I mean, I'm a little bit worried um, about what, Rich. Well, I've seen some promotional stuff, and there's uh, there's some other new kid looking like the new Green Lantern. Um, Another Green Lantern, like, Rich. No, but the JSA Green Lantern. So it looks like oh. 
So remember, because he said the story basically covers 1940 all the way out to like the 31st century or something like that. Oh. And, okay. you know, obviously they're talking about the sidekicks. And I just have, I just don't want them. I'm just hoping that mm. this isn't a, a bait and switch right. where we're going to start off with the JSA that we love, you know, your Jay Garricks and your Alex Yeah, the classic guys, yeah. And by the end of it, all of the characters are new or have passed the mantle on to some new, you know, shitty replacements, uh, and they now the Justice Society going forward. That That's my only concern. Mm. Um, so... Well, in the 31st century, I mean, they'll still, be all new. I, it's Jeff John, so I still can't help but be excited, and it's more JSA. We haven't had any JSA for ever now. Mm. Um, since the New 52, which was how long ago? 12 years I mean, ago or something? They did have Earth 2, but I don't count that as Justice Society. Yeah. It was absolutely bullcrap. That's not just a society. So, yeah, we've not had that for like 20 years now, I think. Um, 15 years. Something. So, uh, but if they go to the 31st century, guess it will be all new characters, surely. Like by then. No, 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 no. I don't mind them saying, um, I don't mind them going into the future mm. and, and if there's different versions, but I don't want them, Samo, maybe bringing those characters back yeah. or. Or, or they go, oh, you know what? We learned in the future that it's time to pass the mantle on. And so, bang, we're now we're back in the present. Sure. We're going to pass the mantle. Like, that, I'm just concerned. I don't want any mantle passing on in, in big swaths. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. I, I am excited for it. Um, I thought it seemed like a cool kind of idea. Uh, like, we'll definitely do it. I think it's coming out in November. So I think we'll do it on the show. Why, why don't we do those two? If it's, if it's JSA and Stargirl, well, why don't we do them on the show? Yeah, yeah. Well, first there's going to be, I think, a one-shot, which is the Golden Age. That, right. Uh, and then there's going to be a Stargirl Mini, which right. I think is six. The Lost Children or something it was called. Yeah, six issues, and then the JSA is supposed to be an ongoing. Well, I'm down for it. Let's let's try it out and let's see how it goes, because we do know that Jeff Johns really did a good job with um, JSA back in the day. Oh, yeah, but that was also back in the day. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not concerned about his ability. I'm more concerned about what mandate he's been given. Sure. Yeah. And I was mentioning to you, Jeff Johns, kind of pivoting back to comics. Do you feel that he's done and dusted at Warner's in the film division and TV now that Star Girl's being cancelled, or do you think he's got more projects? Oh, I think. I, I think he's probably getting to probably be going back to the comics, maybe. Right. I, I don't know if this is just a project that he's doing or um, or if it's that he's coming back to comics now because... A lot less know, money. A lot less money in comics than there was in TV, though. You know? like Yeah, but... The, well, yeah, but there isn't... So, I mean, obviously, Warner Brothers is not doing the whole Disney thing where they just chuck in a whole bunch of Disney Plus shows at the wall. Uh. Um, I mean, there isn't really much, you, you know, I mean, Stargirl, I mean, lo, lo, the CW shows are basically being cancelled. Yes. You know, I mean, what, Supergirl's finished, Bat, Batwoman will be finished, mm. um, Black Lightning's finished, Arrow's finished, Flash will be finishing, mm. uh, Legends of Tomorrow will be finishing. They probably say that Lois and Clark will probably be getting the chop, you know, getting the chop soon as well. Oh, CW really? You think, you think the Superman and Lois show will as well? Well, uh, at some point, it's going to be the only show. Now, yeah. maybe they'll keep around and say, well, we'll keep one. Yeah. 
a superhero by show or they might go fucking get rid of all of it we don't you know what i mean like we're the cw we do teen drama let's get out of the yeah you know the, the superhero business game or whatever and then if you're talking about hbo i mean what have they got they got doom patrol titans and pennyworth that's it really i believe so yeah uh harley quinn as well no no i'm talking about your hour long or 45 okay. minute long sort yep. of live action uh tv shows like disney sure Plus. like i think that's about they, right. they've only got the three so peacemaker not... peacemaker they're uh, season two they're doing season two sure sure um I'm just, I'm just thinking of shows that's about it though yeah so i mean they've they've gone from having a lot to having pretty much almost nothing now mm. you know what i mean so and let's be honest but I'm, i don't even want to count pennyworth in right. that just because it's not really a superhero show it's kind of more an espionage mm. show with batman's butler you know what i mean it's a bit yeah, more which i find hilarious um you know <laughs> so you know there's just nothing going on so i've got a question there's probably nothing for him to work on yeah but that doesn't mean he couldn't be developing new shows and stuff and pitching other stuff like pitching stuff to surely pitching stuff to james yeah, Gunn. i, I have a feeling he's probably you know what he probably I think with the who did the Zaffron, whatever the and um and James Gunn, James Gunn. I think they're going to bring in their own people and sure stuff. And he probably is like, you know what? I don't, you know, I probably I'm probably done. So I'm going to get back into comics and, and fair stuff. enough. Well, and I'm I'm I like I just I just I guess what I'm going to say is, look, I'm all for his comics, but I just feel that like give the guy. A sort of second, third tier DC character, like a Spectre or, or someone like along those lines, and I could see him doing a decent screenplay. You know, that's all I'm saying. I, like, I I don't feel he needs to be on like the biggest character, but I could see him doing something with one of those guys and making oh. it pretty good on a TV well, show. Well, again, I mean, this is this is my argument. Like way back in the day, is I always said that. You know, they shouldn't be doing a Flash TV show or, you know, a Superman TV show because as much as I love those characters, you save those characters for the, the movies because you want to spend money on the on the, the um, special effects. Yeah. You know, like Flash and all that. And I think that your TV show should be something like, you know, the Doom Patrol, Swamp Thing, mm. you know, Peacemaker, do a Firestorm, you know, whatever. Like, do yeah. Yeah. use the characters that you can you can have a bit more fun with that – that you know the you, you can play around with them and you can even maybe make a, a couple of changes because again they're not like super well known um you know you, you've just got a bit more leeway you've got a bit more freedom so i always thought that the tv shows should be for your second third string characters that you could just make more interesting and have more fun with it and the bigger you know your big seven those are movies but that's mostly what they do isn't it like you know. Well, not really. I mean, what they got a they got a Superman TV show and so. they've got a Flash TV show and all that. So I do think that there's true. You know, and I mean, true. I'm sure. And, and you know what? I mean, if Batman wasn't as big a name as he is now, and that he, he, they want him to be untouchable, mm. like no, no nothing bad sticking to him, they would have had a, probably a Batman TV show yeah. as well. So oh yeah, for I don't sure. Know. Um, I guess Arrow. Arrow was the one that kicked it all off, wasn't he? He's kind of like... Well, Arrow was their too. their version of Batman, yeah. but with Green Arrow, because that was not Oliver Queen. No. Um, that character was basically Batman. Mm. All right. Um, now, we had Kate Blanchett's returning to the MCU as Hela in What If Season 2, the What If animated show, Rich. I know you weren't a fan. I, I liked some of them quite a bit. 
Um, but I got a good what if for you, Dave. <laughs> yeah, what? What if I actually gave a shit? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I can't say I'm sitting here going, oh, man, fantastic, Hella's back. You know, like, oh, wowee, like, settle down, kids. Like, Hella's back in town. I thought Kate Blanchett did a decent job, but she didn't have a lot to work with. You know, really. I mean, it was just villain of the week sort of stuff. To me, it wasn't. Yeah, but, you, wasn't know, but, yeah, but you know what? I don't have an issue with that. I mean, the... I kind of look unless you're unless you're villain like I, I guess that's why Loki makes such an interesting character is because he's basically kind of the villain for three Thor movies. Yeah. Uh, unless you're going to do that, I wouldn't put that much effort into the. I know people go, "Oh, it's the villain problem. The villain's a one dimension." I say, like, "Yeah, but it's because the ongoing character is the is the hero, you know." So Tony Stark is going to be in all three Iron Man movies. Yeah. So it's 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 better to spend time actually building his character, making sure his character has got an interesting and and enjoyable arc than a villain that's going to be in it for, like, half a movie. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... So, yeah, I mean, I think she did a fine job. I think the character was fine. Mm. But, yeah, it's not It's not a, like, oh, my God, it's the... Whoa, what a, what a fantastic character. It's like, no, she was just a villain for the movie, and that's it. Done. Yeah, I mean, look, she was okay. Like, I, I quite like the idea of it, how she came from a previous time period where it was more like Odin was like way more unleashed and that was more raw and there were more hunters. Um, I guess for me, I always find that, especially these Marvel movies, they skim the surface rather than delve into the story a bit more. Like I would have liked more of that darker stuff, which she was doing. But what was she in? It was Ragnarok, wasn't it? Was it Ragnarok she yeah. was in? Was it Ragnarok or was it yeah. something else? Yeah. No, it's Ragnarok. Yeah, so there's again, a lot. Of, there was a lot of other stuff in that movie that wasn't to do with Hela. Yeah, but my but again, my issue with that is the the problem is is that you've got Loki, Thor, and then Hela. It's very hard to try and give all three of those characters equal. Yeah, and they were on time. Scar for half of it, and there was the Grandmaster. You know, there was a lot of moving parts in that film, if I'm recalling it correctly. I don't think it's Scar. Were they in Scar? Is it Ragnarok? Was it Ragnarok when they when they went to the oh, fuck Ragnarok? Even had Hulk in it as well. I forgot That's about what I'm that. saying. It was they were on the Scar. Remember they crash landed on the Scar. Scar. Oh, okay, sorry. I thought there was Hulk's son's name. I didn't realize that was the name of the planet. Uh, I think it's the name of the planet. Oh, okay. Anyway, whatever. They were on that planet, Planet Hulk, and so there was a lot of stuff going on in that in that film, which meant her screen time was quite reduced. If you look at it, like in terms of minutes. So. Yeah, but I mean, but again, at the kind of like, and this is the problem with Marvel movies at the moment is that it's all about shoving as many people into the movies as possible. Now, I mean, again, you look at Ragnarok; that's a perfect example. You've got you've got Kate Blanchett, you've got Chris Hemsworth, you've got uh, Tom Hiddleston, you've got Jeff Goldblum, <laughs> you've got uh, you know uh, Mark Ruffalo, uh, and then you also introduce in uh, what's her name? What's her shipwoman's name? Is it Emma Thompson or something? Tessa Thompson. Thompson or whatever, you know what I mean? I mean, that's like what six, seven characters. Yeah, like you know, that's just stupid. It's a lot of it's a lot of people in a movie. All right, uh, Paul Bedney is reportedly set to star in his own show for Disney Plus called Vision Quest. Deadline reports Vision will be on a journey to regain both his memories and humanity. I seriously will not be watching. I couldn't give a fucking shit about Vision and him trying to regain his memories. Like honestly. This should be an episode in a show. You know what I mean? Like, not a fucking whole show itself. 
Yeah, probably. I just, I just can't believe it. Like, we're just squeezing... Disney are just squeezing their shit dry, and it's like, rather than come up with anything original, it's little spin-offs of the movie. This is a spin-off of a spin-off. This is out of WandaVision. They're like, oh, you know what? Now we can squeeze Vision. Oh, please, just kill it. It's not that good. It's not that interesting. Vision sucks, basically. That's my fucking view. Um... Now, in more interesting news, Audrey Plaza is set reportedly set to join the WandaVision spin-off Agatha Coven of Chaos as a villain, where she will star alongside Catherine Hahn and Joe Locke or Joe Locke. I am looking forward to this. I quite liked Agatha in the WandaVision show. Um, she's far more interesting than Vision, and I like Audrey Plaza as well. So where are you on this one, Rich? Still don't care. Yeah, I, th- I thought that might be the case. <laughs> I seriously. Uh, what's, what you've got some Smallville news here, Rich? What's going on? Uh, yeah. So the, uh, the I can't wow. remember where they were, but they were on some panel where Tom Welling and uh, Erica uh, Durant Lois, uh, yeah. yeah, basically said that they would be uh, up, uh, that they'd be keen for continuing the uh, Lois and Clark storyline from the CW. Cool. Um, event uh crisis of infinite earth where basically they went to the the tom welling character yeah yeah uh, for five seconds from smallville yeah. and um you know uh and apparently he had given up his powers and he had kids with lois and all that sort of stuff and they said that they would be someone i guess obviously someone asked them the question of would you yeah you know would you and they were like oh yeah we'd be open for exploring those characters in that I'm still loving my. Small, I've taken a break on my Smallville. Well, that's why I put the news in there because you yeah. were you were on a bit of a Smallville. I love Smallville, and you just mentioning it has kind of hyped me back up for it again. Um, yeah, uh, definitely. And I've got to say, fucking Lois is hot in that show. You know, I'm just <laughs> yeah, like Jesus. Like she came in, and I was like, yeah, okay, we're we're playing with real money now. You know, I could see what he sees in her. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I'm definitely down for that, man. Um, yeah, please, give me more Smallville any day of the week. Um, now, there was Henry Cavill was talking about the fight scene in Mission Impossible where he was pumping his, if you recall, pumping the arms to get the biceps going, if you recall, was like loading yeah. up the biceps. Yeah. Um, he quite commented, it was a rather intense fight scene and the connected tendon in my biceps were getting sore, so I had to warm them up before I threw punches. Uh, on the, his iconic arm reloading scene. Pretty funny. Now, the big news, Rich. Are you ready for this? Henry Cavill has walked oh, away. Wait, hang on, hang on. Before you move on from that, apparently he did that. And then mm. he's, he, and then when they, uh, and then when they did the take, mm. the director said to him, no, what are you doing? Do the arm thing. Yeah. So originally, like, it was just something he was doing to warm his arms up. Yeah, and the director liked it so much that he said, "No, do the arm thing before you." And it was cool because the internet it. caught on to it. It became a real thing when the movie. Oh, it was came a massive out. meme. Yeah, it was. Yeah. A, it was a huge meme. <laughs> so it really worked out. So good work from the director spotting what Cavill was doing. You know, just to um, just load up. I, I really enjoyed that movie. It was Mission Impossible Fallout, wasn't it? I think. Oh, that yeah, was yeah. I'm looking forward to the the two part finale. Man, I saw why. Why do we need to do a finale? Just let's keep rolling. Um, okay. I don't know, but apparently it is a finale. So okay. Henry Cavill has walked away from Witcher and was replaced by Liam Hemsworth uh, for Witcher season four. Um, obviously, seems to be pointing towards uh, Warners have signed Cavill up for a serious Superman deal. 
uh, obviously after his appearance in um, Black Adam at the end. So what do you think, Rich? I've not watched Witcher, and I feel bad because you know I like the game. And I'm just like, I need to sit down and watch this shit. But I heard that Cavill was very unhappy, supposedly, with the direction of the show. But I'm wondering if it, maybe it was more a case of, like, the massive check that was awaiting from across the road. What do you think? Um, I don't know. A lot of people are saying, like, oh, he's leaving now. Tootman, you know, it's because he's got the new deal. And it's like, no, he was already saying from season two that he was going to be leaving. Mm. Um, well, he's clearly, he's clearly signed a deal with Warners, though. So... You know. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think that it, just because he's done that doesn't mean that the, the news is connected. Like, do you know what I mean? Because uh, you know, um, his schedule. They're not, they're not well. Again, he is already a bigger name star, and his his name is only getting bigger and bigger. Mm. And I think that he's the 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 Witcher, and which is why he already there was already buzz about him leaving the Witcher after season two. Right, right, because of you know again doing the Mission Impossible stuff. Like, yeah, he's. His schedule is, is so big, I think he's gotten to the point. And also, to be fair, he hasn't... I don't think he's been enjoying... Because remember we were talking about how um, the, the one of the ex-Witcher writers said that the people who were working on the show fucking hate the the source material. Yeah, yeah, there was some there was some um, rumour of that, yeah. And sure. even, like, uh, uh, I believe Cavill has said, you know, in interviews and stuff, he was like, oh, I hope in season two we can, you know, be a bit more faithful to the book and blah blah blah. Right. And so I think it's, I think it's, look, it's probably a combination of like, uh, the they're not being as faithful to the books and the source material, which Cavill is a fan of. Sure. Um, and I think maybe he's been butting heads, and I know that apparently he's been trying to get things rewritten, right, on on the show and all that sort of stuff. Uh, it's probably a combination of him. Being a bigger name, bigger star. I mean, what Enola Holmes two is coming out. It's a combination of factors. Is is he going to be playing Superman again? Yes, but I mean, obviously they're not filming anything right now or anything. You know, you know, there's now talks that they want him to be in the in you know one of the seasons of um, uh, House of Dragons. Like, really, it's a big name at the moment. So you know what I mean. So it's probably a combination of things. Clearly, schedule up a bit. You know that kind of thing. If he's not that happy, the whole him leaving the show has been a thing since season two. So sure. How many seasons has he done? Three or the yeah, he just finished the third one and he he won't be coming back for the fourth year. And what do you think about Liam Hemsworth stepping into the role? Do you think the show will? continue to thrive um i think it's a good call for them because he's got nothing else going on yeah well he's a lot cheaper <laughs> so, too i bet you know yeah exactly he's you know he's not got anything going on he's not a big name movie star uh yeah he'll be a bit cheaper um i don't i mean i think it's possibly is fine i mean i'm not super familiar with uh Liam's with acting i've not really seen him in any oh uh, so it's not great i mean it's if you imagine Chris Hemsworth, it's like a third as good, you know. Well, I don't know. I don't. I don't really count like Chris Hemsworth that great. No, he's not that great either. I'm, I'm saying, but he, it's similar, but just not as good as that, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you never know. You never know. Only one way to know. I mean, he must have done something that they like, surely, because I mean, there's other cheaper. Well, they like the look uh, of him, and that he's got a bit of a name, and that he's Hemsworth, and blah blah blah. So yeah, there's a little bit. That, there's yeah. a little bit of cachet there. Um, he's not the worst. He, he'll be okay, I'm sure. Uh, now, as you said, um, season three is going to be the end of Stargirl and Jeff Johns promises a proper finale for the show. Good. I mean, rightly so. Yes, it would be nice for that show to, do. Yeah. to go off on a, on a good note. Definitely. I need to catch up with it, though. I'm still behind. Yeah, you need to catch up on it, man. He's Jeff Johns. He's your boy. He's supposed to be supporting his stuff, you know? 
Uh, so much stuff going on though. Yeah, I know. You've got a lot of a lot of moving plates there. Um, Michael Keaton reveals he's never sat through a Marvel or DC movie. His quote was, I have other shit to do. That's fair enough. I mean, it I is fair enough. Like, fuck, what do you expect from the guy? Like, he's not, obviously, doesn't give a shit about it that much. It's also, it's also a quite a, it's quite a, um, it's quite a burn because he's not exactly a guy that's like working a nine to five job, super busy. He's probably got a lot of free time on his hands and he still is like, yeah, I got other shit to do. Than I, watch I think he's got movie. very low interest in keeping up with like all the ins and outs of the Marvel and DC universe. I think uh, when they came to do Batman, I'm sure he got interested in the check, but like actually well, following. Well, the thing, I think, I think people need to realize, and, and, and this is, I think a problem with a lot of, I don't even want to say younger people today, but just like people today, mentality-wise, is they think that an actor, like, love, like, you know, oh, wow, he, you know. He has to he live in Batman, that kind so of He thing. must love fucking comic books. And it's like, no, he's an actor. They, yeah. Yeah. you know, just because he's been in a couple of comic book movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't mean jack shit. Just means that he was he wants to get paid. And wants they're to not work. all Nick Cage who are heavily into it. You know what I mean? Like most. Yeah, exactly of them, right. Yeah. I mean most. And I, you know what? I would just prefer actors not pretend. It's much better to be like I don't fucking know anything about Batman. <laughs> the, the, this is this. They told me this is the type of character. That's what I brought to the table. Done and dusted. I'm an actor. That's what I do. I don't yeah. need to. I don't need to know the sixty, the eighty years of 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 history of the and character. And you don't need to know it. It's irrelevant. Like. Honestly, if you're just an actor and you've got to play this role, like on, I think probably a little tiny bit of reading, like a, I don't mean tiny, but just to kind of get a feel. But like, yeah, you certainly don't need to know the ins and outs of it all. Like, frankly, I don't need to. Know Look, the ins and outs I, of it. I think you need to be a as a writer. I would prefer that you have some sure knowledge and 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 have read some of the stuff or you know are familiar with it. But an actor, no, an actor, I just need you to yeah. to. Go, this is the type of character you play. Read your lines. Give me a great performance. Go. Yeah, that's it. Well, if you're playing a serial killer, you don't go out and kill people. You know what I mean? Like, there's a certain amount of that is acting, you know? And as we, I think, explained last show, a lot of these characters, I don't think they're the most complicated characters to play of all time. Like, it's it's a plot. You're in it. Like, you read the script, you know, blah, blah, blah. You might have a few questions. Like, you can get it. You, you can do it. But it is funny. Yeah, people do expect at times that some of these actors to have an encyclopedic knowledge of a character. And it's oh, like, no. Can I, can I just say, though, I do feel, though, that if if Christopher Nolan had been an actual Batman fan, like yeah. a comic book fan, when he made the Batman movies, he would never have allowed Christian Bale to do his Scooby-Doo voice. They just got worse and worse over three months. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, that's why I say you always need someone there who's like a fan at least to be like, that's not what Batman sounds like, guys. Come yeah, on. no, that was, it Come was on. pretty what bad. What are you doing? Uh, by the end, it was really grating. Now, this was hilarious. This was some black influencer. So it was an influence on the internet who is black who said, white people shouldn't see the new Black Panther movie on opening weekend. Instead, Rich. What white people, what these terrible whites should be doing is buying tickets and handing them out to all the poor little black people, apparently. Like, um, this is insulting now, on so many to, levels. To, to be fair, <laughs> uh, I think I know the one you're talking about. And to be fair, she said she only directed that to the, to the, the white people who support BLM. 
Well, she even said still, she, I mean, you know. No, 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 hang on, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm saying, but she only said to those people to buy tickets and give it to black people. But she then did instruct all of those white people to stop other white people from being able to get into the cinema. So Are you that fucking the black kidding? people in there can uh, watch like, the movie in, in peace and security and safety uh, um, uh, away from the... That's the, so the, bad. The that's devil. terrible. That is, like, I know she's probably saying You know that. what? I don't mind if the movie bombs. It bombs. I don't give a shit if if they if they. I just, don't really. They don't, but don't tell me what I can watch. Like a, a sixth of the population to go see the movie. Well, good luck with your box. I'm, I'm going to make a comment shit. right now, and I don't know who this woman is, and you know, I just feel that she should be arrested because basically you can't tell other people to block a cinema from from another race. That's ridiculous. Like, come on, like. It's a fucking Black Panther, a very yeah. fucking mainstream Dave, Marvel movie. Dave, this goes back to my point about history only beginning in 2016 for some people. Sure. This woman is carrying on. There's people like this woman who carry on like this is the first all-black movie to ever come out. She ever seen Color Purple? There's been no... <laughs> There's been no movie before Black Panther. There's been no movie that is an all black cast i just don't you know that dave this is this is historical this is i I just phenomenal i'm very i'm very sympathetic to the cause in general but i just i feel it's like come on like this is nuts i also feel she's certainly saying this to get in the news like it's such an outrageous statement um that really it's just everything's done for everything's done for click yeah. clicks these days everything's clickbait what a fucking idiot though frankly that's my comment on this woman whoever she is i don't even know who she is but she's an idiot and yeah but you know what i don't give a shit i'm not going I've... to go watch the movie anyway so i'm, yeah, I'm you... happy to listen to her and say and I won't the, go you, watch you, you know you're, you're obviously a big blm supporter and you're, you're standing by your convictions and not going to attend man and probably what you should do is buy a couple of tickets and what the, the part I've that i've a good listen i've been a good ally i'm gonna let the movie bomb the funniest part is the part where she's like, "You've got to, you, you've got to um, buy tickets and hand them out to the poor little black people." Like it's like fucking. It sounds racist itself. Like what these. Black you know what people... I love though? It's well, she's a black woman, yeah. and she's literally insulting her, her own, own people yeah, by saying like... all of her own people are poor and need handouts from white people. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's the part where I'm like, really, like you, you're. You're making a lot of assumptions that, that firstly, that, that what these people can't afford a fucking movie, and if if they couldn't, would being going to Black Panther really be on the top of their to do list? Like, if you're struggling for cash, and, and believe you me, people are out struggling for cash out there. I understand one hundred percent. It's a tough economy, blah blah blah. Like, I get it, and you may not have like cinemas are expensive. You may not have the coin. I don't. If you're in that position, I really don't think you're sitting there like, man. You know what? To turn my life around, watching Black Panther, like, like it's you know, it's not gonna be that fucking extraordinary, guys. Like, (laughs) really, it's not. It's not gonna be that good. Um, it's just such an insulting statement to her own quote unquote people. You know what I mean? And like, the whole thing is just on the nose. Look. But if you're talking about forming pickets to stop people of another race coming to see a film, man, that's like some fucking segregation talk going on there. Badly. 
if you really want to break it down. And I'm not I'm not afraid to say it. It's outrageous. I think she should be almost picked up by the cops and spend a night or two in jail and cool the heels in there and maybe she'll well, learn a few lessons. Well that's well that's why I say, Dave, the thing is the problem when you when you realize when you haven't realized that you've won. Yeah. And you keep fighting is that you fight your way back to where you started. Sure. Do you know what I mean? So let's say you're fighting against segregation, okay? You don't realize you've won. Hmm. Right. And well, they've come a long way. They've come a long way since the 60s, you know? But they haven't come a long way. There is no such thing as actual segregation. Like, Yeah, true. But there's still racism you know, and stuff. There's still racism and all that kind of shit, you know? There's still stuff. Fucking hell, Dave, that exists in the whole world. Can we please get past the whole, oh, my God, racism is alive. I'm talking about <laughs> there's no segregation. Yeah, yeah Black people and white people in America, law, lawfully are equal. <laughs> yeah, I, okay? hear, I hear, man, yeah. Of but course. my point is when you don't realize that you've won yeah, yeah, yeah. and you keep fighting and you keep fighting, you now have fought yourself into the into the position where you're now fighting for... Yeah. It's a crazy fucking comment from this chick, and 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 I'm sure she got some blowback, not just from you know, sort of white people. I'm sure she got blowback from her own community as well. It's a, it's a, I, I think she's done it for clicks. I'm sure she will, because I'm sure there'd be people saying, "Listen here, bitch, I can afford my own ticket." Well, that's it. Like, I mean, seriously, what am I supposed to do? Go and find the poor black person who just look. Oh, here's a ticket to Black Panther. Who the fuck are you, pal? You know. Um, yeah, it's just, it's nutty. And uh, unfortunately, though, it, it's the left-wing loonies out again, man. You know what I mean? Like, these are the people, we've mentioned them before on the show, they're, 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 they're extremists. And some of them should be locked up, frankly, because I think they're a danger to society. I'll, I'll, I'll say that right now. Um, well, they definitely should be put in a loony bin, that's for sure. Yeah. Arkham. Uh, God of War sales go past $23 billion. Uh, this is up from the 19.5 million copies sold as of October 2021. The increase likely is due to the PC version of God of War being released earlier this year, which was Sony's biggest launch of the platform to date. I've never played it. You know, I've never played a God of War. Um, Dion always talks about how good they are. I've never actually played it. Because um, they they Yeah, are... I, I played the first one, but I never got, I've never been, I've never gotten into the God of War franchise. I've, I found the main character absolutely uh, one-dimensional and boring. Fair enough. I, I've literally... I know a lot of people are going to at me, but I don't really give a shit. So I think the <laughs> They're going to have to find you to at you. Uninteresting. They're going to have to find you to at you in the first place, which the person they at is me. And I'm just like, well, what are you going to do? That's fine. I, I, just, I just go classic rich. What am I supposed to do about it? You know? <laughs> That's my yeah, just don't pick it up with him. Don't ask me how, but just take it up with him. <laughs> um... Call of Duty player showed up at Activision Studio to complain about a Modern Warfare 2 ban. I, I kind of dig this guy's mojo because I will say this. Like, okay, people are like, there were, there were people online dude, who were like, oh, my God, it's such a breach of workplace safety. Like, oh, my Jesus, these people must be so traumatized that this guy turned up. It's like, slow the fucking roll down. One thing I will say is, yeah, okay, it was never going to achieve what he, like, this guy's like, why the fuck have you banned me? Okay, and he turned up to a studio. I kind of like his moxie because I'll tell you one thing. Dealing with Amazon and Facebook, you're dealing with fucking people on the internet. You can't... It, you, it's so hard to find someone on Facebook that will actually... That isn't a computer that will actually look at your case on something. You know, I've had issues with advertising the show and stuff and sometimes they cut you off. There's no reasoning behind it and they just... They re reject your appeals. It's frustrating. And you're like, well, why? You, you know, if you were talking to a person, they could give you a proper answer. 
I'm just saying these tech companies that hide behind walls of and layers so they don't have to communicate directly with customers, um, they open themselves up to this man, you know. And am I going? Am I going crazy? I mean, but I mean, my my thing is, I don't think anyone should be banned, regardless, because um, uh, one, it's just a fucking online game, okay? Like, no one's no one's getting physically abused or killed or anything like that, right? Two, you have options, okay? When you play online games, you can block people. So if you get into a game and Mm. someone is harassing you or virtually harassing you, whatever. (laughs) You can block that person, and generally, people that you are blocked with, you will not be. I'd love to virtually people. harass you, Rich. You'd block me so fast; it'd be so funny. <laughs> I don't block people. I when when I play games, I don't block people. I'm not. I'm not a pussy. Um, you, you are. No, you. That's not saying. I, I can't imagine someone harassing you online and at all disturbing you in any way. I used to play Overwatch uh, competitively, so trust me, I've I've been there and experienced all the toxic shit but my toxic, point is if someone the toxic masculinity rich have you experienced no, not it? toxic masculinity just toxicity just okay, just general okay. just general competitive toxicity yeah a bit people... of like let's face no. it we used to play fifa a lot and some of the guys that you'd play with um would be screaming shit down the pike yeah. you know but my point is if your fifis get hurt that bad right <laughs> that person doesn't because here's the thing right if people use the block button right or block players yeah then what would happen is all the people that are toxic or whatever will generally just start getting matched with each other. Mm. And then all the, the regular normal people will be playing games together. So there's no need to ban anyone. Yeah, You have the ability. And it's the same on Twitter. It's the same on Facebook or whatever. You know, no one really needs to be banned because yeah. if someone is posting shit you don't like, you can block them. That You can block them so that you never see anything from them again. Yeah, it's it's so simple. It's in your hands. The power, the power to block someone is in your hands. You do not need a corporation banning someone for you because your fifi's got hurt or you didn't like what they said oh, or the way they but said you, it. You know what people are like today, man. Like you know, they carry on like seriously. Some of these people should have been around in the eighties when you were getting bullied in fucking school. Because believe you me, I would have taken fucking uh, what do you call like internet like bullshit a million times of what I had to cop at school. You know what I mean? Like that was actually yeah, that was actually, and, and I'm not playing a sob story. This is many years ago, but what I'm saying is, compare the two. Oh, if you're like, oh, some guys hammering me on Facebook, okay, <laughs> wow, <laughs> as opposed to being beaten up. Yeah, I think I'll take the uh, Facebook uh, guy or the Twitter guy that I can just totally fucking ignore. But, um, I know, but yeah. it's, it's, I don't know. It, look, everyone's different. I mean, I'm the person I didn't really get picked on that much in school because if someone did, yeah. I fought him. Game over. You know, I'd, I had a guy, you know, if he got in my face and whatever, I'd back and he'd go, you want to fight off the school? i go, yeah, I do. Let's go. <laughs> I'll be waiting for it, says Rich. <laughs> yeah, oh, trust me. They generally, a lot of times, they will back down first. Yeah. Because they're expecting you to be like, oh, no, no, I don't want to fight, no. And guess what? Even if they do rock up for a fight, you fucking punch them in the face. They'll be like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. It's happened. I've seen it. I've been part of it. <laughs> yeah, I can't picture that, Rich. I can't see you backing down from I was more of a scaredy cat. I was more of a sneak. I was. I was. I, I moved quick, man. They. I didn't get pegged down too much, but there was a fair bit going on back in the day, like, in fairness. Like, there was a, just in general, a fair bit. But um, these, this well, guy turning up to Activision, I, I kind of like his fucking attitude. I like it too because there's something. So uh, we've got um, uh, 
so one thing I say to to my girlfriend right is mm. she she works in in admin and stuff and all that and you know she she gets annoyed because she's like I need to tell people this and they're doing the wrong thing but you know I don't want them to think I'm a bitch and all that and I say listen better to have people think you're a bitch than a doormat yeah true like th- that's it don't let people walk over you don't fix their shit for them or don't tell them they're in the wrong because you're worried about looking like a bitch because if you don't do it you're going to be a doormat it's the same with anything in life same yeah, with this sure. guy he's decided you know what I'm not a fucking doormat. I'm not going to just take a ban. Yeah, I like I, this guy. Know, I'm actually... I'm going to walk like there and say, fucking tell me why you banned me. And if, you, if I don't like what you're saying, I'm going to tell you to unban me. Yeah, I like it a lot. Um, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, this guy gets a thumbs up from me because he took this from a fucking initiative. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe he's firing shots in the dark, but fuck it. He, he got noticed and these guys are like, you know, oh, yeah, wow. Suddenly we're, we're not so happy just shadow banning people for fucking God knows what reason and, and also not explaining it and blah, blah, blah. But we, we, we know the story. We've heard the song before. Uh, the Sandman has been a, renewed for a second season on Netflix. Um, this was obviously kind of on the bubble for a few weeks. It's been Neil Gaiman just confirmed it earlier today, actually. So there is a second season of Sandman. I haven't watched the first one yet. Dion's watched it. He said it was really good. He enjoyed it. It's apparently very faithful to the comic, Rich. So there is that. I know you're not a fan of the comic at all, so that probably won't help you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was going to say, like, just another season I won't be watching. <laughs> that's, no, that's fine. I haven't watched it myself yet either, but I do want to watch it. Um, this is interesting. Dynamite has sold over 100,000 copies of Disney's Gargoyles. This was the TV show you were talking about a couple of weeks ago? Yes, and... Uh... Wow, so they've already sold uh, 100,000 copies of number one or two, eh? That's pretty good. It's good. It's good. definitely good in today's market. Now, um, we had some, we, yeah, exactly. Now, we had some um, news you brought in. I've got some Conan news, just Conan updates. So, firstly, Jim Zub, who we really liked on Conan, will continue to work on Conan. Titan Comics and Heroic Studios will co-publish a new series with Zubba's writer and Robert De La Toro on art. Um, I also want to mention on Chuck Dixon's Arctoons page, he's writing a Conan novel that he's releasing, like, serialised. I think I mentioned it on the last time we had him on. Um, but if you want to read Prose Conan by Chuck Dixon, who, in my mind, wrote the best Conan after Robert E. Howard, go check that out as well for a really good Conan story. It's excellent. Um, but Jim Zub, I thought, did a very, very... You know, he did a very good job after some pretty poor stuff at Marvel... Um, handling Conan, so I'm excited by that. Now, there is obviously with Marvel kind of relinquishing the license, there was a big question marks over what's going to be happening with the reprints, because the Omnibus reprints uh, are up to Volume 8 in Savage Sword and Volume 8 in Normal Conan. Um, now, this was announced. Uh, yesterday we learned that Titan will be picking up where Marvel left off with the Conan license, with Savage Sword of Conan Omnibus Volume 9. Um... Uh, there was a blah, blah, blah. There was stuff here. Uh, Matt Murray and Fred Malberg from Heroic Signatures, which are the people who run Conan, uh, reached out to me as Marvel's time with Conan was ending. They expressed how very happy with what I'd done on the Omnibus line. They're talking about the publisher of the Omnibus line and asked me if I'd like to do more of the same for them. And I so I am. The guy who's designing and all this kind of stuff. Um, blah, blah, blah. Well, first, we'll be going back to press on some of the early Conan, the Barbarian and Savage Sword volumes. Then we'll start releasing new volumes, picking up right where we left off with Conan, Savage Sword of Conan Volume 9, Conan the Barbarian Volume 11, and Conan the King Volume 2. So that's really good news for, for listeners um, and collectors. Now, 
He has plans set for all the original 1970 to 2000 Conan comics locked. Our release schedule alternate between volumes of the black and white magazine material and the color comics material. Um, the trade dress and spines of the new editions will match up perfectly with previously released omnibuses, just with a different publisher name at the top of the spine. That's excellent. So same editor, same great restoration, same trade dress, same Conan. Um, until then, praise be to Crom. That's actually really good news for Conan collectors that you know they're smart enough to pivot to a new publisher, but keep all the, keep the stuff going. And it's just going to continue going on. I'm just about to pick up volume eight of the Savage Sword of Conan. And there's going to be one more volume before Marvel relinquish the license and this guy will take it up. So that's my news dump, Rich, on Conan. I'm sure. That was quite a dump, Dave. Yeah, but oh, you know me. I, <laughs> Lois, man, Lois, you know, my nose pricked up. When you mentioned about Jim Zub, then I went into investigation mode. I was saying to Michelle the other day, my hero, everyone thinks Batman. Yeah, it is Batman. That's true Punisher. But also Lois Lane. You know, the intrepid, fearless reporter. That's how I view myself, man. You know, to me, no question, like, unasked, just firing questions in, fearless. You know what I mean? I'd love to crack the big story, Rich. Could you imagine me cracking the big story? I'd love to get there. Uh, I definitely think you can imagine it, yes. I can totally imagine it. Um, I can imagine I, Watergate. I can imagine you dreaming about it. I just don't <laughs> imagine you actually, like, expending the energy. What, slapping do around doing it? No, I could do it. Like Not shadow- now, maybe twenty years ago, <laughs> you know, Dave's got the energy and the <laughs> the passion. Now I just feel like after like probably half an hour, you'd be like, "Ah, fuck my legs, and my back. Fuck the story's not that worth it. I'm just gonna." That is true. Yeah, I, I need to, I need to close out in half an hour. That's that is true. Yeah, you you got to break that story quick. Yeah, I, I don't want to have to. I don't want to do a lot of walking upstairs or anything. You know, a lot of standing as well because of the calf problem. I might have to have my masseuse with me just to she can massage the calf <laughs> and the back and stuff just to keep me operational. Um, now wrapping up our news, Danny Boyle is very tempted to make twenty eight months later. This is after twenty eight days later and what was the, what was it? Twenty eight twenty eight weeks. Twenty eight weeks, yeah, that's right. Twenty eight days, twenty eight weeks. Why why not? I mean we, we I mean the, the twenty twenty thirty year sequel is the thing these days, isn't why it? Why not do twenty eight years? Well, that will be the one after that. That's a good point. Yeah, actually, sorry, what, I'm, I'm stupid. Yeah, yeah, months. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Like, I'd be down for it. I enjoyed those movies. Um, I thought they were fun. Uh, I thought Twenty Eight Days was good. I, Twenty Eight Weeks was okay. It kind of felt like a bit of a cash, a, a cash in without any. Yeah. It certainly wasn't as good as the first one. No, it wasn't. I, I really enjoyed the first one. The second one was okay, but as you say, it was it wasn't as good. It's called Slow Train Coming. It's been coming a long time and it's picking up speed. Sometimes feels a low down and disgusted. Can't help but wonder what's happening to my companions. How they lost the rally found. The cost it'll take to bring down All their ethical principles They're gonna have to abandon And there's a slow Slow train coming
It should have bothered me See my loved ones turning into puppets Comics Rich. Uh, first up, Deadpool 1. As you know, I'm a Deadpool fan. Uh, I felt this was extremely lackluster Deadpool. It felt tired. It also felt like they were trying to do Poison Ivy in the Marvel Universe. Um, the idea of the assassins was decent. I don't know who any of these people were. I assume this is all the wacky new mutants from Krakoa, which I don't care about. But the, the idea is cool. But I felt this felt really tired. Really, like, really run-of-the-mill Deadpool. Like, not funny, just, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. What did you think? Uh, I, yeah, I, I'm reading this going, I don't understand why Dave likes this shit. But now I can see that you don't like this. I didn't really this. particularly like this issue, no. Yeah. I was... No, but I mean, you know, I'm just reading it going, you know, you've picked it, you like Deadpool, and I'm just reading it going, how the hell can Dave like this shit? No, I didn't like it. I mean, I'd give it 4.5 out not, of 10. It's not funny. It's no, it's not funny. funny. No, no, yeah. This is this is someone. This feels like some the person who wrote this. Mm. Remember the name then. This is someone who who they have been told that they're funny, yeah, or believes that they're funny, yeah, and are not like yeah. they are generally not as funny. Well, as also, it could be someone's all... like first job, and they're not particularly a, a comedic writer, and they've got to write Deadpool, and they just, it just felt really forced, almost like it just wasn't. It was just missing any kind of a spark. I'm going to give it a 4.5 out of 10. I, I really didn't enjoy it at all. See, that's the thing. For me, I feel like if, if you want to get someone to write Deadpool, okay, now, now since um, since they established Deadpool as the, who who, who was it, Joe Kelly? Joe Kelly, yeah. Uh, you know, so what, once you've established that, I think you go, okay, well, listen, this is the tone of the character now. Mm. So we need to get people that can show or that we know have got a good track record of writing funny or comedic yeah. stuff. I'm not just picking, you know, oh, we'll take this person who's been writing. Well, Jerry Duggan and Brian Persane were comedians, you know, and had written comedy, so they were a perfect fit, you know? Whereas these people, yeah. like, it just... Well, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, if you, you, you can't be like... That's the thing. When you said, like, oh, this could be someone's first job, well, then they shouldn't be getting Deadpool. Like, okay. unless, you, unless you've proven that you're funny... Yeah. And you have experience in in sh- being funny. You shouldn't be getting a Deadpool book. Like I'm just sorry. Like I agree. Deadpool is supposed to be like non-stop comedy. So it yeah. was very average, man. Like, and I've I've read my fair share. Like Daniel Way, I thought was good, not great, but this was it was it was the worst crime of all. It was boring, which is the one of the worst crimes for a Deadpool comic. I wouldn't mind if it was really wacky. 
Um, I'm going to give it 4.5 out of 10. What are you giving it, Rich? Oh, it's a 3 out of 10 for me. 3 out of 10. That's fair. Uh, Then we had um, the Batman Special 1, the classic issue of the Wraith, um, uh, Michael Golden on art duties, Mike Barr on writing duties. I'm giving this a 9.9 out of 10. I think it's a wonderful comic, strong story. 9.9. No, nine, nine out of ten. Oh, I, nine, sorry. Yeah, I thought you said nine. I, was I like, could almost oh, go nine point nine. Wow! <laughs> if if but it's dangerous. If I start getting into the point sevens, point eights, it's, we're going to be here all day. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think I should be allowed that. I for me, it's a. I've got to have a round number or a point five because otherwise, I'm going to start giving nine point eight. You know, that's right. And that would just be annoying for everyone. Um, I yeah, no, I, I love this issue. It's a classic. They redid the Wraith story much later, uh, and it's it's okay, but it's not as good as the original. I love this, the dark mirror of Batman, the criminal. Uh, just the artwork, though, Rich. Did you like the artwork of Michael Golden? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was fantastic. I, I must be honest, for, for a minute there, I, when, when I first started reading it, I was just like, um, I thought it was um, Owlman. Like I thought yeah. maybe it was like an earlier yeah, yeah, costume yeah. of Alman because of like uh, the, them talking about like the mirror. Yes. You know, of like opposite of Batman. I was like, oh, is this like an Alman thing? But then I realized, oh no, wait, it's a character called the Wraith and he's, he's it's supposed to be like the same origin as Batman, except his parents were criminals. Yes. Did it happen on the same night? I don't think it was the same night. I think they were just saying that the... Right. Um, the... Origins are like the same, except that you know his parents were good, yeah. You know, community people, and the other one was like criminals. And, and did Gordon you know, shoot them? Is that why he hated Gordon so much? Yeah. So this is when Gordon was like basically a beat cop. Yes. And um, but it shows that he didn't just shoot them; they shot first. Yes. He, oh, yeah, yeah. When Gordon took a bullet to the shoulder, that's when he fired. Like he fired from I don't know, you call it the recoil or the yeah impact. Not like that, and he ended up killing them. But it wasn't like it wasn't like the criminal just blowing away. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't uh, with his parents because they wouldn't give the money. Or this something. wasn't a George Floyd situation, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I'm giving it nine out of ten. Gee, I'm liking the idea of a nine point nine. Wow, tempting. But I'm going to stick with my nine. What are you giving it, Rich? Uh, I'm actually going to give it an eight point five. Okay, cool. Uh, then we had a shout-out to Ray at Into the Night. We know him, a god of the game, Ray. He worships Conchu, sacrifices Virgin in the dead of night uh, before the full moon. Um, and uh, Moon Knight Annual 1, um, cookie-cutter artwork, mediocre story, half-interesting idea stretched out to meaninglessness, I felt. This, this artwork is everything I find annoying about Marvel. It's just so... It just feels so thin. I, I, I almost don't know how to describe it other than I find it very unsatisfying as artwork, and it is all through Marvel and DC these days, this style of artwork. Um, I just feel it has no personality. I just don't like it. The story was... It's like a half-decent idea stretched. No, no, but mate, not just the art. Like, the characters have no personality. No, they don't. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It was poor. It was very poor. Uh, I, and I was like, you know, I was reading this, and I'm like, oh, of course his daughter's got pink hair, and of course his daughter's the smartest person in the fucking room, and you know, just can handle everything. It's just like, uh, 
Well, it was such a like you know what I mean. Like I didn't even like his daughter character. She was just I found her annoying. You know what I mean. I tell like, you what, Marlene has had some breast reduction since the day, and I wasn't happy about that either. Um, yeah. Uh, sorry, Ray. Uh, this was very average. Five out of ten. I I, I feel five out of ten is generous to this. What are I was going to say well, mine's a four out of ten because yeah, I just thought this was a really unenjoyable read. It was poor. I I felt uh, and Moon Knight deserves better. Uh, Werewolf by Night deserves deserve better. You know the best part of this comic? It was the final page where it detailed all their all their interactions previously, and it was like a history panel of how Moon Knight and Werewolf by Night have you know met over the years, including the very first appearance of obviously of Moon Knight was in Werewolf by Night. Um, mm. I thought that was the best part of this comic, and that had nothing to do with the story. Um, <laughs> so then we come to trade of the week. Uh, your choice, Rich. Now checkmate. Take us through the basic concept of Checkmate, um, Rich. Um, I mean, so basically Checkmate is, uh, you could say it's equivalent to Marvel Shield. Mm-hmm. It's a global um, kind of uh, organization um, that is very much in love with chess themes. Yes, um, you love a chess theme. I kind of like it because so what it is, is I quite like how they break it down. So basically Amanda Waller is supposed to be the queen. Um, uh, she's kind of in, she's kind of overseeing this as well, because, you know, she's quite big with these, you know, secret organizations and all that sort of crap. Um, so she's uh, quite a few fingers in a few pies. Yes. Um, then, uh, Stein who's running it, who's a Stein is a character we know from Peacemaker. Uh Um, the, the, the mini that we read, um, he's basically the king. So he's running to the checkmate and he's working for her isn't he harry stein well yeah so the yeah so he's uh he answers to her yes right yeah um, then you've got the the bishops mm. um now they are the people that basically oversee the operations and the knights and all that sort of stuff and um, harvey bullock which i did not expect yeah yeah harvey bullock's in the uh working for them what a schlop he is as well. Fun character, but... Fun, <laughs> fun, fun character. And I did not uh, expect to see Harvey Bullock. Character, but definitely not a fun character to know in real life and to have to work with. He's a Very slobby. He's a real piece of work. And um, this was before he had like, Renee Montoya as his sidekick, his partner. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, this is well, this is 88, I think. So, yeah, it's quite a... I, I did the research because I was wondering if Renee Montoya might be in there, but she didn't appear until 92. Yes. Uh, uh, and I believe maybe via Chuck, but the original creator of Renee Montoya is like Paul Dini and Bruce Timm and all that because it was in the in the cartoon is where she debuted. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? I didn't know that actually. I, I thought I she did brought, not know that. Yeah, and then they brought her into the comics, and I know Chuck used her a lot in um, his his Batman run. Um, you know, others obviously did as Rucker and all that did later on, but no, Chuck used her a lot, like uh, and Bullock as well. So. Interesting to see um, Bullock. Bullock was like a fish out of water, wasn't he? Uh, not really. Kind of. Uh, he's definitely the person that looks out of place, but he's obviously he's capable. Kind of knows what he's doing as well, and all that. Yeah, stuff. I just I always and... picture him on the main streets of Gotham. I just he, you know, he mm. was. It was like he was on vacation. It was cool. But he's even wearing Hawaiian shirts half the time. So. Um, yeah, and so then you basically got the knights, and they the field operatives. They wear the cool costume slash uniform mm. 
as they call it. And then you've got the pawns and they are usually the people like in the field that are like undercover or yeah. that back up the knights and all that sort of stuff. They don't have any costumes. They just meant to look like. Like Reed, the guy who became a knight with the, in yeah. the Lamborghini. He was and so, cool. yeah, so basically it's a global organization, you know, uh, they, they conduct in, you know, terrorists, arms dealers, you know, shit that threatens world yeah. peace and stability and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And what I liked about it is that it's a, it, it covers, you, you, you get to follow different knights. Yes. So like the first uh, storyline when we're dealing with the white supremacists or whatever. Mm. And by the way, I just want to point out people who think that they're writing stories today where they're making the villains <laughs> today, white supremacists thinking they've been, oh, I'm sticking it to the white supremacists. Yeah, <laughs> this is 1988 and they were already doing that. So and and he's throwing around the end bomb as well. Like I was like, wow, okay, we're really going there in the 80s. Um, and then the, the that night is uh, a black guy and a, uh, something Washington. But anyway, yeah. so he's doing that part of the story and then we move on to a different night. So that's kind of a, was that a three, I think it was a three issue arc. Um, and then we move on to a, a European the Irish knight. Yeah, the Irish one. I like the Irish guy, Boyo. Irish, but he was in he was in Venice, I believe. Yeah, he was. And they he were trying to protect some. They were trying to protect some informant or yes, or who who like was that. then revealed to be actually a and mob guy. Yeah, then, yeah. Um, uh, and then there was a backup story in a couple of them about yeah Reed, who yes. is a pawn that we meet with Washington, mm. um, and then he kind of so. All the knights are basically ex-military uh, um, or law enforcement guys, mm. um, and they will they get tapped by this organization. They got to basically pass a obstacle endurance course to see if they're capable of of being a knight in the field. And it's all quite a stuff. difficult course. Oh yeah, yeah. This is this is even uh, puts the X Men's um, danger room. Danger room to shame. It does. It <laughs> does actually. Yeah, because they because um, they're not super powered people. They're just normal humans. Hmm. And then I don't know the name of the, the next guy, but he's basically in the Middle East. This is a desert. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, kind of a little bit of a Lawrence of Arabia story in a, yeah. in a way, um, lost in the desert. Um, and then we were so saying we read up to 10, but I told you to read number 11 if I you did. could. Because I did. I thought you would really, really enjoy it because you basically got this guy that reminds me of... Um, Pete Davison. Uh, oh, you're talking about from uh, The Avengers? No, I'm talking about like the um, the yes, the Avengers, but Peter Davison, the Fifth Doctor, he looked exactly like him. You had you had, and you had Todd's Lane, which was the Doctor Who um, Lane. Are you talking about the guy with the mustache, the 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 bowler hat, and the no, no, that's bowler. that's the guy from the Avengers, isn't it? Like yes, yeah, yeah, that's who I was thinking. No, about. but the other guy. Who's an American? He he's a spitting image of Peter Davison, the Doctor Who, and you see Totter's Lane at one point, which was the lane where the TARDIS was at the start of the Doctor's. Okay, well, yeah, that was maybe something that. Uh... Yeah, yeah. Well, because uh, I thought that's what you were saying. That story play, takes place in England, obviously, and there's an attempt to on the Queen tie into the invasion event. Yes, that they had uh, back in the nine, no, not nineties, uh, uh, late eighties, yeah, eighty nine, I think it was, or yeah. something like that. Um, and anyway, and there's a thing to kill the queen and all that, and so. But I was just so funny that the knight, when he's out of his, his literally looks like a proper Englishman with the bowler hat and the umbrella. Oh and yeah, the man! Like, and, 
Yeah, dude. dude. Uh, uh, kind of like probably where uh, they stole the idea from uh, the Kingsman from. <laughs> yeah, and there's there, there's actually a um. It's so funny that I thought that's what you were talking about to me when you said I'd like it because I was like, my God, that guy just looks like Peter Davison, and I was wondering, is that just a coincidence? And then I saw Todd's Lane, and right at the end of issue eleven, there's a bit where um he says uh he's on the ground. Uh, and he, he says, uh, um, I'm not quite sure, old boy. I rather think that's up to a, a doctor to tell me. And then it, it's, and then it was just, I thought that was just a bit of an Easter egg. And the fact that they put Todd's Lane in there, which is where the TARDIS uh, was located at the beginning uh, of Doctor Who. It could be. I, I, I guess I was so wrapped up in the Avengers. Yes. Yeah, um, that as well. I noticed that as well. Action, yeah, yeah. But I also thought you enjoyed one because there's a lot of action in it. It was good. And because it's got that it's got this like really avengersy british guy i loved it you know i just thought you'd get a kick out of that but i didn't even get the i wasn't really paying attention because i read it just before the show yes i I will say this this i have only read a tiny bit of vigilante and not the coverberg stuff i thought this was amazingly good i like i i everyone raves about it that i you know who knows about it obviously like um aaron and you, and yourself spoke highly about it, and I was kind of like, "Well, I'm looking forward to it." I read it, and I was like, "Man, I fucking love this." I I, I thought it was really good. I did not un- realize that um it wasn't superpowers, and I liked that it wasn't. Um, it, it it's 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 a spy espionage kind of comic book. I mean, what's not to like? And it's hard hitting. People dying all over the place. The knights are kind of replaceable. Like, knights die in this. There's a feeling of life and death has consequences. It's all the stuff against terrorists. Uh, different locales around the world, as you said, Middle East, uh, Venice, London, um, well, the US. Well, I kind of like about it because, like, okay, let's say you're doing S.H.I.E.L.D., right? It would basically be Nick Fury, agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Sure. And, you know, obviously nothing's going to happen to Nick Fury. Yeah. You know, but with these books, because, yes, because you get in, you know, different stories of different knights, it means that yeah, any of those knights can just be killed. And in fact, like uh, a couple of them are, yeah. Uh, especially one of them when they um, they infiltrate in the castle uh, in the yeah, in, the, in, flat in out dies. Yeah, you know, uh, gets taken out. So like, I like the fact that yeah, it's not a one particular. Yes, there's characters in like Washington and Reed, and you'll get to know them. But something could happen to them. They could die. They can be killed so it means that no one is i would buy this i would buy this in an omnibus in a second i think this is a forgotten classic i i think this is excellent comic book storytelling by paul coverberg i'd love to get him on the show so we can talk about it i um have not read a lot of his stuff um but i was very very impressed by this now uh, now here's the thing now i know look i know that you're a brubaker fan and all that right yes but after reading this I think maybe now you can maybe see why I'm not as big a fan as the Brubaker's Checkmate. Oh, you mean the Ruckus Checkmate, Greg Ruckus. Sorry, Ruckus, not Brubaker, sorry, Ruckus, is because it's not this. Yeah, what is Ruckus? I've not read it. What is Ruckus? Is it the same sort of stuff? Yeah, I mean, it's still called Checkmate, and they have, like, Bishops and Knights, but it's not, like, fun like this. It's not, like, these cool guys in these cool costumes. Yeah, it's a bit more militaristic. It's a bit more... Kind of more more regular government agent kind of in a way, okay. you know, foot soldiers all wearing the same outfit, running around with their guns. You know, I, what I, I mean? tell like, you what, Rucker does a really good espionage, Queen and Country, 
um, that's all about like uh, it's about spies and stuff like in the Cold War. It's no, no, really- yeah, that's fine. But I'm just saying, look, maybe I would enjoy his checkmate if there wasn't this checkmate. Yeah, but yeah. What yeah, I'm yeah, saying yeah. is that yeah. because of this checkmate, and now I'll say this. Bendis's checkmate is even worse. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. He's the bottom of the barrel. And if you had to say to me, well, I've got to choose between Rucker and uh, and Bendis, I would definitely choose the I'm Rucker. I'm sure one. Rucker's checkmate is, is a lot better than Bendis's crap, which yeah. we, we did do an issue of on the show. And but it's just this, like... this is the best one. And oh my God, you haven't even got to when they start bringing in Peacemaker and all that. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. No, I'm going to keep reading it. In fact, I think we should maybe for Christmas do another 10 issues. You know, of, well, of this. What I was going to say to you is what we should do is mm. I would love to do the Janus Directive, yeah. which is a big crossover event. It's about 11 issues. Let's do uh, it. It's all, it's all on the, the DC app, yeah. so it's all there. But that's a big crossover between um, uh, uh, Checkmate, yeah. Suicide Squad, um, uh, Victory Force, I think it's called, and... Uh, uh, oh no, Force of July is what they're called. Okay. And Captain Atom, I think, has got like there's a couple of one issues that are just in, in other people's books, like Manhunter, Captain Atom. And so I might invite big... Aaron into this as well because I know he's huge into sure. this stuff, you know? In fact, I think even Firestorm has a tangential. Dude, let's bring, let's bring Aaron into this because he is all about this. You guys will love talking about it. Like he is that, that era and all those titles you mentioned, I think he's over all of it, you know? So yeah, God, as I said, eighties and nineties is my favorite. All right, well, we'll we'll do that, uh, kids, before Christmas. We'll tee it up with Aaron and with Rich, and we'll get everyone on the show, and we'll do the Janus. What's it called? The Janus. The Janus Directive. Janus Directive. Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll do that. I'm going to give this Rich. Get ready. Nine point five out of ten. I thoroughly enjoy. It. This is in my top ten of books we've done on the show. Seriously. Oh, I completely agree. I, I absolutely, I look. I did have high expectations because of what you guys have said about it, guys that I trust, and I'm like, you guys know what you're talking about. And but I was, it actually exceeded my expectations. And also, can I say the artwork of the main guy? I wrote down his name, Rich. I thought he was really good. Um, the main, yeah, art, yeah uh, Steve Owen. Steve Owen. Now has he done a lot of stuff? I meant to ask no, you this. Sadly. Sadly not. Um, he had he only did a little bit of work there in the eighties, uh, late to late eighties to mid nineties. Right. Um, his longest runs were in Checkmate and um, Deathstroke: The Terminator. Right. Okay. Uh, other than that, he's only done one, two issues here and there yeah. on different Interesting. titles. Hasn't really done anything for Marvel. Um, Have you noticed the- it's a lot harder for artists to do? hundreds and hundreds of issues compared to writers if you look at their careers it, oh oh for sure for yeah. sure i mean god let's be honest i mean okay look i'm not saying writing isn't hard but i mean someone like jeff johns in yeah. a month could probably write six seven scripts yeah yeah, yeah. Or like six seven different bloody titles and an artist needs an entire month just to draw one issue so yeah yeah it's, it's not quite the same yeah no no i know i know I, i'm just yeah i'm just mentioning that like I, I was listening to an interview with Paul Jalasi, um, uh with Jeff, uh, sorry, John Suntras on his show, uh, and there's an artist I love, love his work, and he was saying pretty much he does a page a day, you know? Um, he can crank it to two if absolutely he has to, but pr- pretty much he's totally comfortable with a page a day. You know, you look at a page a day, that's pretty much an issue, isn't it? An issue in a bit, you know? 
Um, so yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, a, co- a comic is generally twenty. Let's just say I don't know. Let's just say twenty. Twenty to twenty-five, 25. pages. Yeah. I was going to say, let's just say 25, because yeah. sometimes they're 23, sometimes yeah. they're 24. But let's just say we break it down, we average just a 25. So, yeah, I mean, if you did a a, a page a day, that's that's pretty much a month to do yeah. one. Yeah. One and, and, like, it takes time, pages it? Done, You can get it done, and then maybe you can do more work. But, yeah, it's – but the problem is, is, like, as a writer, if you if you cock up something, you just press backspace. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah if, I'm, if, if I'm doing a page, and especially if I'm not doing it digitally – if you're doing it like old school um, pen paper or sure. pencil paper, you fuck up. It's not always an easy thing to just. Can I know. ask you when you when you're doing your artwork? Do you do it digitally on like whatever? However, people do it digitally. I don't even know how you're um, using those pads and stuff. So I when I do my concept stuff and all that um, and and drawings, I'm, I do that digitally. But uh, if I if I draw panels, mm. I'm not comfortable drawing that on. Um, tablet right uh, or i'm not not comfortable drawing that digitally yet there's just something weird sure about doing the panel so i still do that on on okay paint. all right just interesting yeah anyway so this checkmate uh thoroughly recommend this to um to listeners check that you know check out checkmate and honestly if you've read the rucker stuff um and enjoyed it go back and check this stuff out too because it's really good and as i said we did that. You know what we did? We did Peacemaker, and I really enjoyed that. And that was so off the wall. This is what, like, maybe not grounded's not the right word, but it is. It is more grounded in a weird way than that Peacemaker was so nutty. Remember that comic we did? Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed this, and I'm going to keep reading it. And I want to do at some point. Well, we're going to do this Janice directive, so we're going to do more. Um, Really have been enjoying some of the picks recently, Rich, like the Firestorm stuff, and then this. I'm like, man, it's a sweet period, well, you know? And I just say, you've inspired me now that pretty much all my picks going forward is going to be either 80s or 90s. I'll do it. You know, I love that stuff anyway. I've always loved that stuff. So, and, and I have a lot of blank spots in that area too, which is always a pleasure. I said that to Aaron. I said, it's a pleasure to to go into an area where I've not read any of it, it's all new, and then you find out it's it's really good. It's just, it's just such a pleasure, you know, because, well, you know. Yeah, uh, and I sent you the other day, I'm going to, one week I'm going to pick, because uh, obviously you're also a bit of a JSA fan, sure. thanks to Jeff Johns. Mm. Um, uh, we're going to do Damage. Sure. Uh, not the not the, um, the, da- the the recent title called Damage, but the original yeah. Damage title where it's, it's, uh, it's supposed to be... Um, uh, uh, Al Pratt's son. Okay. Or is it son or is it his um, grandson? Well, we can do it anyway. What's it called? Damage. Damage, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll do that at some point. Whenever you He's want. He's the to. character in JSA who has his face covered and Adam Smasher and all of them are trying to, like, get him to stop being a mopey bitch because his face is all fucked up because of um, uh, the crisis that happened around. Right. Uh, okay. Was it? I think it was Infinite Crisis. Infinite Crisis. Okay, well, we'll do. We'll damage. What's it called? Damage. Yeah, we'll damage. do that. Now, I've I've got some plans. This is you know forward future stuff. Um, for um Christmas episode, I want to do the Creeper by Lee Kaminsky. I think his name is. There was an eleven issue series that he did in the nineties with the Creeper, which oh, I think would be. Did you watch the Creeper, the the Batman episode? Yeah, I did. I I I dug it, and I was um. I'd never read it, and I was like, "Wow, they really tied it into Joker, which I did not expect." 
Um, it was a fun episode, man. Well, I mean, it makes sense because obviously it's uh, they weren't going to do the whole scientist patch thing, yeah. which is his, his origin. They were going to kind of be like, look, we're just going to tie it to Batman because or Joker because yes, and it was fun. There was that that episode had a lot of funny Harley an interesting narrative as well. Yeah, a lot of funny Harley moments as well. Um, well oh man, it... I miss it. Can I just say something? I know people. <laughs> I know people give. Um, a lot of the other actresses now credit and all that, but I fucking miss uh, uh, this Harley Quinn's voice. I just, sure. I just think it's the best. It's the best Harley. Who was this? Who was this Tara Strong or, or was this um, someone? Oh else? no, no, no! Tara Strong came um, uh, came later. Right. Um, uh, this is. I haven't actually looked up. I found the damage thing too. I found it. Twenty issue run. Are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it wasn't a massive run, but it was. I do remember it being. In, in fact, I think Metallo shows up in in a giant fucking. I love it. Body uh, to kick his ass. So yeah, good. I like Metallo. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. Harley, oh, Arlene Harley... Sorkin. Arlene Sorkin. Was yeah, the original Harley. Yeah, that that's yeah. Paul Dini's wife, I believe. Yes. Oh, yeah. but her. I don't know. There's just something. Her voice just sounds more natural. Yeah. Like, whereas everyone else, it sounds like they're doing a voice. Do you I know do. What I, mean? I do like Tara Strong as well. I will say that. I, yeah, I, but again, I've heard Tara Strong's voice so much in so many things that I just know that. Yeah. It's just she's copying someone's voice. This, this you know woman. I mean? This woman. What's her name? Arlene Sorkin did a really Arlene good Sorkin. job. She did a yeah, really good job. Sounds like, natural. It feels natural. Yeah, it is, and and but it was a pleasure to go back and see Harley when she was just an out and out. I mean, not really baddie, but a scamp, you know. And mm. um, with a help, with a big hammer, with a mallet, when she knocked off a creeper with the mallet, and then when at the end, when he's like, he's like fucking trying to molest her on the thing, and she's like, oh god. <laughs> well, he is the creeper. He is the creeper. I agree. Yeah, no, it was, it was a fun episode. I'd never seen it. I'd never, never seen the episode. Um, I think a few of the l- very late Batman um, animated series with Tim Drake, I think a few of them I haven't seen. And I watched that one on HBO Max just before the show. And, I mean, it was no surprise. It was very enjoyable. And it was fun, like, to see um, to see the Creeper. And he's really kind of, like, quite Joker-esque. And then at the end, he takes the patch off and he's, like, laughing, doing that crazy laugh. Yeah, well, I mean, in a kind of a sense, he's a more crazed uh, Deadpool, isn't he? Like, um, yeah, he is definitely. He's not really well. He's not really breaking the the fourth wall, but he's a character that feels he like he's outside of a body. Yeah, is is he a criminal? He's narrating his own stuff. Is he a criminal or is he not? He's kind of weird. No, no, he's he's not a criminal. No, he's just nuts, isn't he? Really, like he's just kind of like a random factor. He's not necessarily a hero per se. He's yeah. just he's just crazy. He's just a creature of chaos, basically. But he's not yeah, evil he just, like the Joker is. Yeah, evil, he just, he just loves. Well, yeah, um, he, he's he's mischievous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is probably the best way to describe. Is that he's he's mischievous. He's not he's not evil. He's not like uh, chaos, as in like you know world burning. Death chaos. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's just more like uh, you know mischievous. Yeah, Trickster, well, prankster. no, very, very fun, um, very fun episode. I'm glad we did it, and um, yeah, I really, obviously, enjoyed it. I mean, you're always in safe hands with Batman the animated series, and we probably should do a few more little episode flashbacks of like Justice League and Superman and stuff over time. We'll probably do a bit more of that just to you break do. it up. Well, I was gonna say, anytime we're reading or gonna do something about a character, because mm. you know, I can't because uh, Justice League, Batman, and all these sort of shows 
it, it, whenever they have maybe like a a third stringer in an episode, we should probably like watch it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, good idea. That, be a lot of it's only taken me two hundred eighty nine episodes to realize that's a possibility. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, that's why I'm here to help. At least I got there before the 300 with this realisation, you know. <laughs> and do you like my idea for the Creeper uh, for Christmas? The Creeper for Christmas. That could be the title of the episode. <laughs> why not? Because uh, isn't that song uh, creeping? Uh, well, you, you, you talk about baby, um, it's cold outside, and the, the people are always like, oh, no, 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 not that. It was something about the, not a, it's all, everything's silent. Silent I thought the word was there was word like no one nothing was stirring or nothing, nothing was stirring. Yeah, it's silent night. Yeah, all was bright or something. Uh, but no, I, no. Not, you remember you, you know the Dean Martin song where people every Christmas now there's a few people like oh my god it's so sexist it's like he's trying to rape her. <laughs> it's like Jesus. Well, mate, everything's rape these days, don't you know? I know that, but the people are like oh if my I, god, like yeah. If I was to walk down the street and see a good-looking woman, if I just looked at her and went, "Whoa, she's good-looking," I've yeah. just raped her. Yeah, but but I, but the people who are like cancel Dean Martin, I'm like he died in 1995. <laughs> Like oh the, no, the, that's no, but that's the big thing now is to cancel uh, old people, isn't it? Yeah. Well, they can fuck off because I love Dean Martin and God bless you, Dean. We miss you still. Um, I mean, look, they're, they're trying to cancel Sean Connery after he died. Um, good luck. You know, I think someone may have thought that Bill Murray died when yeah. he was in the news, and so they tried to cancel him, and then they're like, "Oh crap, he's not yeah, dead. Crap, he's he's not movie. quite dead yet. Like, unfortunately, yeah, he's still alive, still earning money." Um, look, I want to say we're proud of the collective. Uh, you've got Inner Demons of Brian Beggy. You've got Into the Night with Ray, obviously the god of the game. Um, you mentioned this episode, Ray, your Moon Knight annual let the team down, I'm afraid. Yeah, you've got to sacrifice some more virgins <laughs> to Conchu. Uh, Conchu is unhappy with you. Um, you've got uh, Last Sons of Krypton with Ray and Connor. Uh, Capes and Lunatics. Uh, there's another episode coming soon where we're going to do more Ben Riley, me and Ray with Phil. Phil Lilith, Charlie, a lot of big guns on the Capes Lunatic stuff, Ghost Spider Groupies, a lot of good programs on the collective, and Signal Shines the Light Bright. Rich, any final thoughts? Any comments? Any state of the world addresses you want to make? Uh, Anything? No, I think I'm good. Yeah. Uh, world peace? Is, are we going to achieve world peace this week, Rich? <laughs> uh, that's not possible. It's not possible. The only world peace would be if I controlled the world in a police state of perfect. Well, terror. look, let's be honest. The machines have it right. <laughs> there's only one. There's only one true path to world peace: domination. Wipe out all the humans. Wipe out the humans. Wipe out the animals. <laughs> Wipe out the flesh. That's why every bloody uh, uh, artificial intelligence machine intelligence they all come to that same conclusion they do they do they're probably correct but you know what we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna persist on and signal's gonna keep broadcasting till the end till the very bitter end i'll be sitting here yeah with well, a we pistol can, we can broadcast from a bunker yeah definitely i'm almost in a bunker right now i'm not that far away from being in a bunker um all right i want to say that note thank you and good night good night great show rich we just killed it as usual of course we did. Just absolutely fucking demolished. Mm -hmm.